0: Welcome to episode five of We Have Such Films to Show You. I'm Josh Millar, and I'm here with my co-host, Yakov Grinberg, and we're going to talk hey, about... Hey, Don't talk until I tell you you can. What the... That's <laughs>
1: <laughs> and oh. we blow the opening. Yep.
0: Okay, I feel good about that. That's, uh, yeah. that, that felt good. Yeah. So yeah, Hellraiser yeah. 5 is what we're doing.
1: And uh, man, it is... Whew. It's 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 like a coastal abyss the drop off in quality. I mean I mean wow.
0: It's 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 quite a thing. You know, I want to say I I did some I was I was trying to track down the original spec script, which I didn't really expect to find and I didn't find it and I, I'd love it if someone could, but but I, I just went googling for it and in the process of not finding it, I saw a lot of people talking about the fact that it had originally not been a Hellraiser script and this was usually in the context of people reviewing it and a lot of people feel about the same way i did about the film and a few people feel it was just an amazing film like it was the best Hellraiser since the first one maybe better and what i want to know is what the hell is going on with those people because what i i what i i can
1: i i can sort of see where they're coming from because it's like um let me come up with a creative Word picture here. It's like let's say you're eating a pizza, and it's a terrible pizza, but you see potential in it. You're like, well, maybe if they used like bread instead of sponges, and you know, tomato sauce instead of, uh, I mean, yeah, tomato sauce instead of ketchup, and and you know, real pepperoni instead of like the fake pepperoni that comes on like one of those children's build your own pizza plastic things. It could have been a good pizza. This could, I I see where this could have been a good movie in two very different ways and it hits neither of those ways and it just ends up this thing that we watched yeah we'll
0: we'll, we'll have to unpack those because i want to know what your specific angles are because i have a couple of my own but first i want to extend your pizza metaphor and say it's like maybe it's like because one of the biggest arguments i saw in favor of it uh as a film being better in some ways than some of the previous films uh, was that it did sort of embrace what was going on in the first film and what was going on in some of the old anthology comics of looking at it more like a meditation on the travails of an individual person interacting with the box in the hellscape rather than being the story of Pinhead and his you know lifestyle choices. So in that sense, I can sort of buy like liking it as a callback to Hellraiser one because it's just some dude trapped in this crazy thing, and and as a pizza, I think maybe it's like you're eating a combo, like you're eating a meat combination pizza, and there's some uh, there's some uh, sausage on it and it reminds you of this really great combination pizza you had years ago that also had sausage on it and how it seems like everybody just makes pepperoni these days and sure the pepperoni pizzas were actually well made and cooked and stuff and this one has some sponges on it and apparently it started out as a hot dog but still you really missed having that sausage on there so you know it's it's that's my
1: I could I I can definitely see that if it just if it wasn't for the fact that the actual Hellraiser parts of it, the Cenobites and Pinhead and the box, they were just so obviously tacked on after they wrote the movie. It was like, I mean, it, it was so tacked on that um, without it and if it was, you know, well-budgeted and directed well and had good actors in it, it might have been a good movie.
0: Yeah, no, it, it is really interesting because, like, the one of the things that I sort of went into this thinking about as I watched it Was like trying to figure out what the film was before the Hellraiser stuff came in. Because, like, obviously they jammed that stuff in, but the question is, how much mm -hmm. did they change whatever underlying psychological horror stuff might have been involved? Like, was this even a psychological horror film originally, or was it more of just like a, you know,
1: psychological noir? Yeah, I think it would. I think it was just like a like a really dark, like you know, suspense bordering on horror noir. Just because of how, like the everything that that signals that you know he's in hell and that it's like you know evil Groundhog Day or whatever the hell is going on in this movie, they never actually bring it to to a head. They, you know, it's never. It it you never figure out exactly what the hell is going on. And that's not in like, you know, oh it's an open ending, it's left for you to interpret way. It's 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 a you know just sort of incompetence in movie making um sort of way. And yeah, I mean like there there was a good movie to be made out of this. It, and that this wasn't it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you know what I feel like? It it it, it would have been like a good um, just noir movie starring uh what's his name? Mark Wahlberg. Because it this was almost starring Mark Wahlberg. So if you get the actual guy and um you know, and they had, you know, like played it straight, like, you know, something like um Seven or uh you know, like one of those kind of movies, it would have been good. Or you go the other way and the movie could have been exactly the way it is now, except in the lead, uh you get Bruce McCullough from Kids in the Hall. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, because you were saying the other day that, like, you know, you were watching this and you were feeling like Craig Schaefer, the guy who plays our star Detective Thorne, you you felt like watching him, like it's like he thought he had been cast in a Hellraiser parody, yeah, and, and so he's told just,
1: to play it straight,
0: yeah. He's,
1: so like, I mean, yeah, he's got like a Leslie Nielsen thing going on. If he if he transitions over to like deadpan comedy, I think he could really you know do well for himself.
0: Yeah, you could just change a few notes of the film, and that that would really kind of work. Uh, I had this. I had the same Mark Wahlberg thought. That was my first thought when I saw him. Was like, man, Mark Wahlberg's really let himself go. <laughs> and then I thought, no, no, Donnie Wahlberg has let himself go slightly less. But that's that ties it over to another thing that this could have been. What this reminded me of in part was uh, I think it was Saw Two, uh, which starred, in fact, Donnie Wahlberg um, as a I think a cop um, who was trapped in a deadly game with Jigsaw the bad guy in in Saw um and his and Donnie Wahlberg's kid is kidnapped by Jigsaw and then there's a bunch of Saw film type stuff with a house full of deadly puzzles and people who have been tested by Jigsaw because of their ethical compromisedness or whatever the fuck was going on I don't remember the details but anyway it, the whole thing uh, Donnie Wahlberg's character the cop is trying to save his kid and it turns out at the end that his kid was actually locked up in a safe in his office the whole time and spoiler alert for people who were really looking forward to saw two still um so yeah and, and there was a couple scenes in this that actually kind of felt like they could have been something out of a saw movie like the the sort of torture porn thing when when uh, detective thorne goes to the address that turns out to be an empty creepy looking apartment with a telescope, telescope. yeah that, that felt like a I was like, oh, my God, it is. Maybe this started out as a spec script for, you know, Saw 3 or something. And I don't know. I think
1: this predates – this is from 2000, I
0: think. Yeah, when did the Saw movie start?
1: Uh, let me see. Because this I think this even predates Mark Wahlberg's career as a successful actor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when Saw, it was Three Kings?
0: I thought that was late 90s. Oh, was he in Three Kings? Yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: so Saw is from 2004. So oh, wow. That reason- yeah. So Saw 2 was from even later than that For some um, reason I was
0: thinking that like broke while I was Just getting done with college But I guess it was a few years later
1: yeah. Wait what was that other movie you just asked me about? The oh. um Oh uh Mark Wahlberg uh, Three Kings that's with uh George Clooney and Yeah
0: and Spike <laughs> Jones and That Cusa? was oh
1: that's 1999
0: Okay so yeah okay. Wahlberg, Wahlberg was live on the scene Uh Enough to not take this movie <laughs> okay, so so we saw Craig Schaefer, and my first thought was, wow, Mark Wahlberg's really let himself go. But then my second thought was, wow, David Boreans has really let himself go uh, from Angel and Bones and
2: well, – Yeah, I, I,
1: I'm i very, very fond of Bones. Um, so, yeah, I can definitely see that. In fact, that's actually what I said when I saw Bones the first time was, wow, he's uh, – as 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 my fiancé referred to it, he manned out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And that's, that's kind of what I kept coming back to. Um, I also wanted to make a joke about how Dana Gould is, I guess, doing about the same these days. But <laughs> that's just because I hope Dana Gould will listen to the podcast and then get in a fake comedy fight with us or something. Uh, but, you know, the David Boreanaz, I think, I actually really just kept coming back to as I watched the film. Because it's really like if he was doing <laughs> the grumpiest face he has for an entire film while he had the flu, is sort of like the feeling you got from the way Craig Schaefer played this character.
1: Yeah, I, I could definitely see like sort of the uh, the 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 angel thing like turned up a couple of notches and one you know aspect and a down in, you know quality of, and yeah, I could definitely see that. This was, I mean, this was a this he was the only one in the movie who was actually acting, and he acted on the yeah. Scene. I
0: mean, I can't blame him. I'm sure he was directed to just that because he had to play this yeah. complicated falling apart psychological crumbling thing. You know, it's.
1: I wonder if at some point he just like looked around like the rest of the cast and like, well, Doug Bradley's in this for about three minutes and nobody else can act, so I gotta carry this whole thing, so he's just acting for everybody. You know,
0: it's funny, there's a lot of people in this who've actually had and this is mostly a comparison to I guess casting nobody's because that's who you have for the original like Hellraiser, but like a lot of people in this have been in a lot of stuff. You know, they, they they may or may not be like, you know, stupendous actors, but they've had a lot of work, you know, they're and, and not just in like softcore porn or whatever. You know, it's like almost all the people in the, you know, top dozen or so credits are actually and there's a couple solid character actors in there too. So it's it's a weird thing where it feels like they didn't get a whole lot out of people, but I think they didn't have a whole lot putting into it and it probably didn't pay super great as a direct to video yeah. uh, production. So
1: I think that's what happened. I was watching like some random romantic comedy where Kathy Bates has a bit part as like you know the the protagonist's mother, and you can basically you, you know the fact that when the camera's not on her, she's checking her watch, and that's how I <laughs> felt about just everybody in this movie. Yeah, I don't feel like anybody uh, was
0: really in love with this. There was no sense watching it that like you know people were like man, I really believe in what I'm doing here. I'm going to be the best skeezy ice cream <laughs> truck driving possible pedophile drug dealer ever. Although that guy did at least chew up his parts a bit. You know, I mean he did a pretty good, good job of uh, and he being was, panicked and terrified yeah. and skeezy.
1: He he was he was dressed uh okay yeah we will get to how he was dressed uh, when we get up to that <laughs> part. You know what there's I, I just want to say about this movie. So if if you're listening to this and you've played tabletop or role playing games like um you know, actually, the D&D is not one of them, but basically just a lot of other systems when you're making your character. You know, the book has a... You have to assign them, like, quirks or, like, you know, weaknesses or, you know, stuff like that, and there's, like, a list of them in the book. And, you know, you just pick a couple, and, you know, most of the time when people do this, it really doesn't tend to match their character, and I felt like this was what was going on here. There was just, like, so many conspicuous character features to the characters that don't go anywhere. I mean, like... um, You know what, let's get today's Hellraiser Film School out of the way early, and um, Josh, would you like to explain the concept of Chekhov's gun?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Chekhov's gun is uh, so named for uh, playwright uh, Anton Chekhov Uh, on the, uh, basically something he'd said in a couple different ways on a couple of occasions. Um, He'd said basically, if you have a gun on the mantle in the first act of the play, that gun must go off. You know, by the third act, you know, don't put something there to have it pointedly do nothing, you know, don't don't do wanky set dressing or, you know, plot setup. you know, don't 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 fill with stuff that you don't come back to, you know, make everything count.
1: Yeah, this movie is the opposite of that. It's there's just like so many little I mean, he's for the first like, I think, two acts, he's just like constantly doing magic tricks. Goes nowhere. They do nothing with it. (laughs) They're illusions, Michael.
0: (laughs) (sighs) Oh, God, this would be so great if it was starring Job. Oh, yeah. Uh, A manipulative, narcissistic jerk, you know? I mean, oh, man. Not even Will Arnett, just Job. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, his um, name is Joe. uh, (laughs)
1: Joe.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, this... Yeah, so they they just there's so many things. And I mean, this isn't just like character quirks. There's there's entire plot threads that go nowhere and are not picked up at any point. And it's to the extent that um you, you know what you're watching isn't going to be picked up. It's not like you know, it's the, the end comes and you're disappointed because they didn't you know, close out this, this loose end. No, you know for a fact, like 45 minutes through the movie, that anything that they're introducing past this point is not going to be covered. And neither is a lot of stuff introduced previously. Um, the entire family dynamic... His entire family dynamic is completely, it's its there, but they don't do anything with it. Like, a part of this movie is supposed to be like, you know, he has to go back to the past and, you know, go back in his head and, you know, to, to his childhood. And you think it's going to be like, you know, some sort of like, because this guy is like, total sociopaths. so you think it's going to be like an origin story it's like oh you know maybe he was like molested or he was you know something beaten as a kid and that's why the way he is and they don't go there with it they're just like oh here's your past this is what you lost because now you're an asshole
0: yep i was really and, kind and of expecting it. us to find out at that tail end where he travels back in time that like his you know dad beat the hell out of him or something like that but no no he just had a family like his dad is shown napping in the den and, and, and I don't know if we were supposed to read like, oh, because he's a drunk and he's probably going to do some beating. But no, no, they were really paying the super bright, shiny, mom's a wonderful 1950s mom and here, have some brownies, but save some for your dad. Oh, gosh, mom, you're the best, son. You know, it's like there was nothing, no tension. Like they were trying to sell innocence, I guess, but they didn't sell loss of innocence other than saying you traveled back in time, figuratively speaking, by being such an asshole, which uh, – what? It, no, there's no – there's no road to follow here. There's no sense of continuity between these things.
1: Yeah, you're supposed to assume a lot more motivation on behalf of every character in this movie than they actually provide you with. So, and 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 that's, you know, that is that that is the like the the best example of it is is, you know, it's like uh, you figure out why. We don't know either. Um, yeah, so You know, you want to just start from the from the beginning, <laughs>
0: yeah. Actually, I want to say something about the the credits because oh, I've been mm-hmm. watching. I've, I've been watching this in each of the films and sort of watching for this. This is the first film where the credits start to look not so dignified. I mean, they don't look terrible in this, but they use they the the, the, the they use a sans serif font for all the, the the names that come by, and then they've got this distorted wobbliness effect on the uh, on on the credits, so that you know that it's like it's refraction from heat from like some sort of inferno uh, which it just looks ends up looking pretty cheesy. The first thing we see is a little bit of box imagery which then they use throughout the credits just to be like hey, by the way, it really is a hellraiser movie, making a hellraiser movie here, you know. Look at this box. So yeah, I feel like and I, I feel like I remember the credits like the the elegance of the credit sequence is going down significantly, like this is a step in the wrong direction, but I think the next <laughs> ones sort of just go to shit, like they really look like something that someone made on short notice on like you know an unregistered copy of a title animation program or something <laughs> uh so that's all i've been I've been waiting to see it slide and and yay, at last it did. It turns out that when you go direct to video, that's maybe where this stuff starts to get a little bit uh a little bit sketchy
1: yeah. I mean, at least it's was this was this shot on video? Do you have any idea? Can you can you tell by looking if it was shot you know, on video because I can't?
0: I wasn't really paying attention. Um I want to say I don't think it was um just because I don't think I this mean, I don't know. Before digital got cheap. Yeah, I see think. that's the thing. I don't I don't think it was super cheap to produce a good-looking video image. Like so in 2000 they may well have just done the whole thing on film with existing, you know, assets and just not shot a whole lot of you know coverage or whatever you know like use what you get 35
1: millimeter yep how about that
0: because yeah i mean like 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 in terms of just basic you know color composition the the film looks good when they weren't making actively sort of dumb looking filtering decisions about the the camera images the green room thing it's like eh.
1: Yeah, the the there's there's a lot of like flourishes to the to the direction, but the camera works actually not bad. At no point I was just like, why are they shooting this? You know, in this way, it was it the the camera work got out of the way, which is you know there were more a, couple, that for for a lot there of were movies. a couple
0: of little conceits. Uh, although I didn't see any split focus, so I, I'm basically this franchise is now dead to me because there were no split focus <laughs> shots. But uh, there were a couple little camera, and I'll just get to them when we get to them as we wander through the. The film, but uh, but there's a couple little things. But I agree. Generally speaking, it seemed like solid, uh, unremarkable. Certainly unremarkable in any bad way. Just you know, camera work, and so that was all very well. Good job, person who (laughs) were praising anonymously on the merits of the mechanics of your filmmaking. Uh, Too bad about the characters and the dialogue and the story. Um, Yeah. So yeah, we open up with the guy. He's playing chess at the gym. You know, our cop Detective Thorne, played by Craig Schaefer, is, is playing chess with some uh, – I don't think we ever find out who he no, is. he's the uh,
1: professor. He's referred to the, as the – you know, I'll, he's referred to as professor and then he never comes up again. Yeah,
0: so just some random guy who's playing chess, but but an older guy. So we've got this younger mm-hmm. cop sitting here uh, beating this guy at chess in a timed <laughs> – That the montage of the chess. Like, move, hit the clock, move, hit the clock, move, hit the clock, clock. Clock, clock, little sequence. I kind of laughed out loud at because like I kind of get there trying to say, Yeah, it's an intense game. Boom! Uh, but he won, and he also answers the phone. He's like, "Fuck you" to someone on the phone. So he, he's 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 athletic because they're doing this in a gym where there's a basketball game going on behind them. So he's a thinker, but he's athletic and he's edgy. He says, "Fuck you," and he says, "Oh, you played right into my game to the professor." So we've got the game lines like they really. They load a lot of, hey, you know what they do in Hellraiser? They talk about games and playing and puzzles, right? So let's just, uh, yeah, let's get yeah, that the in The opening
1: there. scene, I feel like I was just like handed a dossier of this guy. It's like, interests, abilities, skills. <laughs> and th- that, that's what it felt like. It felt like they were just giving you a really quick rundown on it, which would work if it wasn't so obvious, which I'm going to say a lot about this movie. Yeah. Um just yeah, they 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 just go on the nose so many times that it it actually starts getting funny by the end. Um just how hard they go on said nose. Yep. Um yeah.
0: That nose is bleeding.
1: I have and to admit- you get you, oh, go no ahead, no, go no, ahead. no you, you. Okay, um and and then they go into, you know, so he leaves the gym, he wins the the thing whatever. Um and then he starts like the uh there's like you know a first person narration and it, for some reason it reminded me of uh, what was it Goodfellas? Does that open with like a with like a like yeah. a really narr- narrative? A couple things yeah.
0: in this reminded me in only the most superficial ways of Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah, there's a <laughs> in bunch a way of
1: that says somebody saw Goodfellas. Yeah, and yeah,
0: yeah, no, there's there's uh, definitely yeah Ray Liotta does some voiceover uh, <laughs> at the front and and periodically throughout that
1: yeah there's sort of like that same sense. And um, yes, so this opening narration, he's just going on about how, you know, like he likes to examine things and he wants to know how the world works, except he's saying it exactly like I'm saying it now. I always liked examining things. I want to figure out how the world works. And he just keeps going yeah. on like that. I like, the
0: details. I always loved puzzles. I always liked yeah. solving problems. I always, and it's like, okay, this is, are you filling out a dating profile? Yeah. I mean,
1: just like, as a kid, I always liked to examine things. But then they don't go anywhere with that kid part. Because <laughs> he doesn't give you an example of you well, know, yeah, how he's yeah, yeah. when he was a kid. We he eventually just, come you know, back
0: to him as a kid, but then like, there's no... His kid character is managing to be, like, emptier and less interesting than most of the other characters in the film. So it's like, yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know.
1: And then he says that my life would become the most challenging puzzle of all. <laughs>
0: I, I, I think I repressed that line, because, wow, <laughs> how am I not wincing in memory instead of wincing as if hearing it for the first time? Although I, I will say, I, I in general, I had a little bit harder time caring about some of the little details of this film than I would have if it were not this film. Like uh yep. my notes have a lot less of the specific sort of note of the the plot movement in here. I mean I've got plenty of like little mm-hmm. details, but but I don't have like a breakdown because I'm not super interested in a lot of what happens in it because it stops being very hellraisery. Like it's not yep. like most of the stuff that happens in the film I don't expect uh to tie in to the mythos that I was interested in, in the first place. You know? So it's like it's not that it doesn't matter what happens on The screen but I'm not going to read like little hints into it in a film where first of all I know for sure most of those hints are absolutely not intentionally there because they started out as an unrelated script and a film that has proven itself so thoroughly and so quickly to not follow through on anything it drops it's like (laughs) uh, it's hard to get invested so that's my uh, long way of saying that I'm going to narrate slightly less than we have in previous episodes Uh, so I may just leave that to you if you do make a note or just remember it all what happened (laughs) in the given scene (laughs)
1: Um yeah okay so and then the do the, we we, op- we we go to the murder scene because he's a cop so clearly the movie has to open with a murder right um and the room that it's in like they go into a house where the murder is it actually looks a lot like the uh french section of uh hellraiser bloodline cuz it it's got like the same kind of color scheme where it's like you know red uh red walls and then you know just like gold accented stuff and yeah, very very... Uh, very baroque
0: yeah ornate a bit uh yeah.
1: So there was um, yeah. So that I I wonder I I wonder if that was a callback maybe. And there's a square of candles on the floor. Yes, that totally. I was great. Yeah, yeah. The uh, this this was you know the box wreaked some havoc here with um, the hell was his Jay name? Jay Cho. Jay Cho, whose license we see, and that's all we get of the character yes. except for some entrails. And then um you know, uh, Joe uh, goes into, just starts talking to his partner completely. He's just like, oh, I went to high school with this guy. And then he just starts telling him about how, like, they you know, just basically picked on him real bad in school because he he tried out for the basketball team.
0: Well, yeah, and he he says, yeah, what a nightmare. We tortured him. We really gave him hell. And it's like, oh, can you be a little more subtle, guys?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, um, they, and it's, it's like, why would you just keep going on about how big of an asshole you are you know you 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 made it this far and you're not like in jail and you know you seem to have your shit together how do you how do you do that when you just like randomly refer to you know when you just bully the hell out of some kid yeah um it's yeah the the fact like the main character this movie is like a functional human being with the way that he goes about doing things in this movie just really doesn't match it's um yeah and then, oh, and then um, he's got this—he's got like some sort of a cocaine dispenser. He does cocaine because obviously. Yeah, he's got like a um, little
0: cocaine, you know, one hitter thing that he yeah, sticks I've in his nose at the cop thing. shop.
1: Have you ever seen one of those before? I have never. not personally. But no, I'm not a, Real life, you know,
0: I can't—I can't remember if I've seen it uh, actually. Like, which which you might as well say no, but I don't want to like affirmatively say no. I've never seen that. I just uh, I can't recall an example. Yep. Yeah. If you recall an example, go ahead and call in right now and
1: oh we've got a caller
0: one of these days i'm going to plan an actual call and and it'll be worse than me just making the joke and letting it go.
1: <laughs> you're just going to make ringing noises and then just change your voice Hello. Yep. um all right and uh, oh so there's can- there's lit candles all over this uh this murder scene, but none of them are actually trailing wax, and clearly a lot of time has passed, and all these candles are still burning, and I, I just thought that was kind of weirdly inexplicable. And then they find a finger in one of the candles.
0: Yes, I, they find a finger in a candle that's sitting rather conspicuously to a Hellraiser fan on top of the fucking Le Marchand's box, and uh, and he picks up like the candlestick and the box together to look at the... which seems very awkward, and I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, the finger in the candle... Uh he also finds uh our our Detective Thorne goes and looks through some stuff and opens up a book and the book is hollowed out and inside there's a little one hitter of uh what he assumes is cocaine that he then pockets. And this is this is what you were talking about, the the doing the magic. This is the first time we see him do magic. He takes this and he's sort of smiling to himself like, Hey, I found some free drugs. I think I'll confiscate them. Uh, but then instead of like, you know, quietly putting them in his pocket, like anyone who's not a fucking idiot would do <laughs> if they're a cop stealing drugs, he, he does a really slow, elaborate, like, you know, 10 second, uh, put it between my hands and rub my hands together and boom, it's gone. Magic trick. Uh, and I love how he
1: just assumes it's cocaine. This Hasn't is a, he seen Pulp Fiction?
0: I know. This seems like an important thing. Uh, and I'll come back to that, actually, when we get back to where it comes up again, because I, I, I'm willing to make an argument there. Oh,
2: um. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: And, um, oh, and then uh, they go to, so he's, I think they go to the, like, he's examining the evidence in the evidence room. And the, um, first of all, the guy who runs the evidence room and I guess the computer's there, it's never quite clear what his character is doing, but he's like, he's supposed to look like, you know, he's got like the, uh, the brow line glasses and the mustache. And I guess he's supposed to look like, you know, just like sort of like a grizzled kind of cop from, you know, grizzled cop times, except the, the actor playing him is like 19.
0: Yeah. It's weird. Cause they're like, it's, it's a combination of, you'd expect to be like, yeah, the heavy set middle-aged, uh, I am too old for this shit. Just let me, you know, do my job sort of thing. But then he also looks like he's kind of doing this weird sort of like, well, I'm the slightly skeevy, uh, nerd fellow. You know, it's like this weird amalgam of character. And yeah, the guy seems to have like three or four different jobs. Like, he does forensics, he does, you know, evidence handling, He's he probably gets lunch.
1: The Denver Police Department is short-staffed. By the way, this movie <laughs> takes place in Denver, Colorado. Despite this will the be synopsis
0: saying once. that, you know, he's an <laughs> LAPD detective, which is... I don't even know how that happened either.
1: <laughs> well, maybe he just got, uh, what do you call it, just placed back in Denver. Because he's from... I, it's... Yeah,
0: this. (laughs) He actually is an LAPD cop. He's not supposed to be in Denver, but after like the first month of him coming in, and every day the the chief being like, you're a loose cannon, you're out of your jurisdiction, the chief was like, ah, we're understaffed, whatever, okay, fine.
1: And that's the plot of Justified, starring uh, Timothy Oliphant. (laughs) Um. Yeah. Oh, so in the evidence room, um, he opens up the wallet of the dead guy, and there's, you know, a bunch of hundreds in there because that's, I mean, that's, I guess, how this guy rolls. There's only hundreds in there.
0: Jay Cho's um, nickname is Hundo. Yeah. People and hate going to food carts them. with him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> never, never try to buy a soda with this guy. You'll always end up paying for it. Um,. Yeah, so he he pockets the money and then he crosses it off the evidence list and writes none. There's like you know uh, you know cash four hundred dollars and he crosses it off and writes none. No 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 no, like, no no. He, it's oh, not quite it, that. He, he, he
0: writes one hundred. Oh, they, so he takes he? three of the four and says no one hundred, but still. Oh, what
1: happened?
0: The whole issue. Yeah. It's still it's still like someone's gonna say, oh man, I'm the I'm in charge of evidence, but I guess I counted the money in this wallet wrong. Thanks, whoever filled this out without doing any sort of detail work there. I you know, really appreciate that. It's like if you're going to fucking steal from Wallace Project into evidence, you know, first of all, if it's a dead guy, just take all the money. Just take all the money. You don't have to leave some in case he comes back to life and is like, oh, I swore I had more. But also, yeah, you, you, you work that out before you create the first record. You get the little, hey, yeah, there was no money in there. Uh-huh. Uh, if you don't believe me, check with my friend Benjamin Franklin. Eh? You know, uh, it's just it's it's like they're trying so hard to establish him as sort of like you know casually corrupt that uh, it's uh, it's dumb. It's dumb. That's that's my. Uh,
1: that's and on my the other big hand, he 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 grabs the coke and doesn't even submit it to evidence when they could have just analyzed it in the police lab and he could have just had it a little bit later yep. and then he would know it's cocaine and not you know, rat poison and a small vial and white for some reason yep. and hidden.
0: But then he goes home and this is, this is what I was saying. The gimmicky cinematography. There is this <laughs> oh, shot yeah. where he comes in and like his wife is like asleep on the bed or whatever. And he goes into his daughter's room. Cause he's got a little nine year old daughter, uh, which the film makes sure that we know, but then does almost nothing with. Uh, and uh, he goes in and he like lays his head on her head, but the shot is set up. It's it's this girl sleeping on her side in her bed, but the camera is laid on its side as well, so she's functionally upright, uh, and you know her bed is vertical. And then he leans in and sort of puts his face against her face, uh, but he's coming from the other side, so he's like upside down. And it's like there is no reason to do this other than I don't know, try and do something vaguely unsettling. But they call back to it later, and I'll come back to it later yep. because cuz that's that so that's the one thing that really jumped out at me is like someone was like I've got this great idea for a shot. Oh my god. And then it's like uh, yeah, but why did you do that?
1: You know. <laughs> yeah, that, that shot was weird. And like yeah, and everybody's in, going in slow motion, there's like this smooth jazz playing and it's all clearly supposed to signify that, you know, oh, but this asshole is also a family man kind of. And yeah, it yeah. yeah. Uh, that the maybe that, was that supposed to be like a twist? That, oh, this, you know, complete sociopath, you know, has, like, a loving wife and daughter?
0: Well, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, it's like they're, I, again, I think they're just trying to set up the character, and it just comes off so hand Because then what he does right after that is he goes back out, and he gets himself a, a, a prostitute. Yeah.
1: Oh, but um, not before his, uh, his wife. Um, just, I think she wakes up because he's home, and then she's just like, oh, I just had a bath and a pill. And then they never do anything with that. They, and she never tells you what kind of pill. I mean, I assume it's supposed to be, like, you know, Valium or something. Or something. Because, you know, and, um, the funny, the, the other funny thing is that she's supposed to have, you know, come out of the shower and like fallen asleep on the couch. So she's wearing a towel, but her hair is done. She's wearing full makeup and glossy lipstick.
0: She likes to look pretty, you know, don't judge. Don't body police. I, um. I think they have a magic shower. <laughs> That's probably it. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe she had like showered earlier that day. So she just wanted to like rinse off. She didn't need yeah. to do her hair or her face. Um, yeah, so they sort of establish this. There's this marriage. He cares about his daughter. He seems to sort of care about his wife, I guess. But it's an unhappy marriage, which we find out partly through narration because he says, you know, that they have an unhappy marriage. But some guys would just like, you know, split, but not him. He, you know, knows how important this stuff is. So instead, he goes and you know gets hookers. Um, and so he goes and and gets himself a hooker who asks, "You got any gum?" Which made me think of Norm Macdonald as uh, David Letterman on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> And I couldn't think about anything else for like the next uh two minutes uh do you remember that 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 skit I, it it's, sounds it's, familiar was he, it
1: go go ahead, he was that, he yeah. was just he
0: was just like doing his pretending to be David letterman and guy pretending to be uh uh his sidekick and you know sitting there and saying like, i was i was you know on the subway and this guy comes to me and says hey, uh, you got any gum?
2: Yeah, <laughs> now, yeah, you got yeah, to gum. Go? No, no, no.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then just did that for five minutes, and then do you like the R show and so on. <laughs> so anyway, basically, I was imagining that this guy was paying for sex with uh, Norm McDonald pretending to be David Letterman is uh, what I got.
1: Nothing turns the ladies yeah. on like a Norm McDonald impression,
0: and then, and then the guy pulls out Thor, Thorn pulls out money, and you know, money is not gum. Money nope. is not gum. Do not put money in your mouth. You don't know where that's been. That's not a good idea
1: in jay cho's wallet it's jay cho's money yes jay, the dead guy bought him <laughs> a time of the hooker hundo cash
0: this one's on hundo um and
1: he um he makes the he makes the money appear in his hand with a, yet another magic trick
0: yes and then he makes the coke appear yeah and, and, and um, yeah and, and and then she's like what what is her line there she's like you know it's something uh, like
1: it's something ridiculous. It's like oh boy, cocaine or something like that. Like she's really excited about it.
0: Well, I think she's really like, yeah. And then she and then she whispers in his ears to just okay, well I'll that'll do, do anything it. So, like, you anything, you anything you want, want as many times, as many times as you, you want. want, which they bring back later. And it's like it's yeah. uh, okay, but yeah, okay. So they then they just do this. They just put this stuff you know up, this up their nose. Did
1: you ever see the um, that really quick uh, is like a couple second ad for this stuff called synth coke? It's from the late 70s. I assume it only aired in, like, the tri-state area over here, you know, New York, New Jersey and stuff, because they're based out of New Jersey. And it's just, like, this, you know, just dumpy 70s guy Um, and, you know, a very 70s-like woman with, like, the feathered hair and both of them clearly not actors of any kind. And she's just, like... She's just like, oh, did you bring it, Johnny? It's like, oh, they're making out. And she's like, did you bring it? He's like, yeah. And he pulls out this little vial. And she's like, oh, yay. And then she embraces him. And like, the, you sort of see him like you know over her shoulder like winking. It's like, is it the real stuff? Or is it synth coke? She'll never know. And then uh, just a like, quick address as to where to buy this stuff. I
0: have seen this. I don't remember when. It must have been a while back. But yeah, maybe there was a Metafilter post about it.
1: We'll link it on the blog because yeah. it was that. That's how. Uh, that, yeah, that's that, the, I totally big. see
0: that feeling. Yeah, and then yeah, and, the, <coughs> and they do this without us seeing any indication that they check to see it's Coke. Yep, <coughs> I'm going to choke now. You talk.
1: Um, so then there's a uh, just there, so then there's a sex scene um, and it fades to red. Which is weird. Yes. Then it fades back, and he's mounting her from the rear with her, with, like, the camera's, like, level with her face and just sort of pans up a bit. And they're just, like, draped in, like, really bright white light. And then they're just, you know, rutting. And um, then it fades back to red again. Yep. This is the entire sex scene. It was, like but at least About we've got a 30 sex seconds scene. so that yeah. that's
0: that's you know check that off the list we've got yep. we've got the sex that's not necessarily any fun to watch scene uh so that's hellraiser ish
1: and then he uh he wakes up with her um or well they they sleep together at the hotel because i guess he's a romantic <laughs> you'd think she'd have more work to do that night but she's just like ah, i'm done well maybe Might he we'll gave her a
0: lot of money and you know coke is you know a good deal
1: and that's why she's asleep so soundly. I want to, she's been doing all that cocaine.
0: I, I want to take the David Boreanaz thing here and uh, <laughs> make the argument that like this is what we're watching is like an alternate universe film. If Joss Whedon never really had any success, and neither did neither did David, and so they ended up just working together making you know shitty soft horror thriller stuff, direct to video.
1: With Eliza uh, Dushku, who this the, the, this is the second Hellraiser movie. Would like Eliza exactly. Dushku look like exactly?
0: Well, I wouldn't say this girl was particularly Dushku lookalike, but but she could have definitely you know played the same role, yeah, here as with Terry with an eye from from number three. Yeah. So so yeah, I I think we need to keep thinking about that because I bet there's more angles on this whole uh, Joss Whedon uh, makes terrible direct to video softcore uh, angle if we if we keep an eye, especially as we go through the next films. I bet we could see it as a whole. Uh, canon of its own. <laughs> and then and then a little pulsed coital uh, box opening, which the adjacency of the sex scene and the mm-hmm. classic box fondling I feel could like only be more conspicuous if they did yeah. something with an NC seventeen rating cross cutting between different things you can do with your thumb. Uh,
1: and, and the um he he opens it while sitting on the toilet and when the box opens it sounds like a toilet flushing. Did you notice that? <laughs> I was you know,
0: I didn't notice that exactly uh, I, I was listening, there was sort of, I feel like a little bit of sort of tinkly stuff in the background music that could have been, you know, music box, but wasn't nearly as music boxy as was in like Hellraiser 2 or 3. Uh, so I was distracted, I did not notice the to- toilet flush part.
1: <laughs> um, and then we get, uh, so, is this the first time we see the green room?
0: Yeah, so the lights, he, he opens the box and, the, and and then the lights... Go down in the shitter. Um and uh yeah, he opens the bathroom door and now it opens into some green filter lit uh childhood bedroom. Presumably his, although we're not told that it's his.
1: Yeah, you're supposed to uh, yet yet again the movie wants you to do the work for their inability to properly uh, ru- uh you know, shoot the scene. Yep. Um and then Oh, and then now we get our first Cenobites of the film. Yes. And they're um, it's a it's, they're, they're twins, uh, two female-ish Cenobites. Um, they have like a smooth covering over their nose, and like their eyes are, are th- they're either missing or or something like that. Were, were their eyes cut out? Or you know,
0: I don't remember what was going on with the eyes. Uh, maybe I'll this is this is how memorable these quick. Cenobites are. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I feel like all in all, it wasn't bad. they they yeah. they, they certainly were at least a memorable shtick. You had, Yeah. Uh, the, um, <laughs> they, 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 had, they had the outfits, you know, they, they, they,
1: and there was some wire involved. So there was like wire going from their chins into their um, chest, I think. So it kind of looked like a goatee. Kind
0: of. Yeah. Um, and they had long tongues and sort of a spike on their head, like a the top knot.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and then they start. These, um, yeah. yeah. And then they just, sort of, like, flank him from either side and just start, you know, like, running their tongues over him. And then uh, one of them, like, in in the same kind of way that, you know, like, if you you see in a movie with, like, a woman, you know, like, touching a man on the chest and, like, sliding her hand under his shirt, if he's got, like, a button-up shirt, does the same thing, but into, like, right under the skin of his chest. And then they just start feeling around down there. And he's he looks like he's sort of enjoying it.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely... And the whole thing, you know, he actually says... Early on in the sequence, you know, when he comes into the bedroom, he reasonably conjectures, "I'm dreaming," which is like, yeah, obviously you're fucking dreaming. You Just walked to the bathroom, man. Jesus
1: Christ. <laughs>
0: but uh, there was also a sound of a child crying out for help there, which was not quite an inexplicable baby crying sound. But yeah, you know, uh,
1: that, that sound um, is repeats throughout the movie, and I watched this with the captions on, and every time it came up, it it said uh, "sound of girls screaming," and that confused the hell out of me because.
0: Yeah, it was more of a, yeah. I mean, maybe like I would say, crying like the, out for help is what it was like. You know, help me, you know, sort of thing.
1: The, the child is revealed, sort of, kinda, I guess. And it's not a girl child.
0: Yeah, well, and I, I think we're supposed to be misdirected into thinking maybe it's his daughter, even yeah. though it ends up not being his daughter. So it's. Yeah. And who
1: keeps turning up, you know, safe and sound throughout the film until she doesn't. Um,
0: but yeah, so the, the 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 sexy horror leather twins with the. The like dominatrix ponytails and the the long tongues and reaching under and half chatterer yeah chatterer has just a torso which and I I thought the effects on these were fine you know it's certainly a big step up from CD the DJ uh, and his his fellows from from number three so so no complaints there really they they seem like Cenobites I'll take them as Cenobites
1: yeah the Cenobites were the yeah I would say they were the special effects like um success of this movie i I did, you know I want to say it was the best special effects, but I think it was the only special effects that were just like genuinely successful because the rest of it is not great yeah. yeah although we
0: also have in this we've got a brief shot of and they come back to this later in the film, so at least that's one thing they did come back to there's he's looking around and. He's looking in the hallway of his house, I guess, and it's sort of green lit again. And then there's this snow, you know, falling, which is sort of like a—I uh, feel like visually an echo of that dream uh, Kirsty had about her dad in the first film with the uh. feathers. So there, there was a little bit of a visual thing there. Uh. Uh, but again, like not in a meaningful way, just like, Hey, that looks sort of visually like this thing from this other movie that this really has nothing else in common with. So it's like, eh.
1: And they follow up on the imagery too, just in not in any way indicating something. They just literally follow up on it. Yep. So it's like getting a phone call and it's like, Oh yeah, I'm just following up on this thing. It's like, Oh, do you have anything to say about it? No, no, <laughs> no. no I just, just, you know, just wanted to, you yeah. know, give you a heads up there. Um, Yeah.
0: And then Pinhead is on the other – like he opens his front door in the dream mm-hmm. place and there's Pinhead and Pinhead rips his face off and then he wakes up and, oh my god, it was just a crazy dream, bro. You were in in the bathroom the whole time. He wakes time. up in the
1: bathroom on the floor spotlit. Like <laughs> I, I thought he was going to break into song or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then uh, – oh, and then we go down to the police station.
0: Where that guy who uh, does all the things we can't tell which – what, what who he's supposed to be? He says to him, "You look like you could use an autopsy yourself." Uh, yeah, <laughs> which I thought was a great line. Uh, and he gets a phone call from the 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 girl, the prostitute uh, calls, and there's like heavy breathing and screaming. and Oh God, there's something here. Ah, which I felt the like
1: captions read "creature slurping."
0: Uh yeah, no, there was there was some weird uh, gurgly stuff to it, uh, and I feel like there's like a this horror of like horror versus sex comparisons and Mm contrasts you know you can't get enough of them but you've got this girl calling and breathing heavily and screaming into the phone it's like "Uh, are you trying to juxtapose a thing here is this like a thesis statement about you know horror and porn similarities and yeah but i didn't like i couldn't i couldn't summon any more complicated of a thought about it It was just like i just (laughs) sort of had like I, i sort of half thought about it and rolled my eyes a little bit and then we moved on
1: yep So um, he goes to investigate, because clearly as a police officer, he just gets to pick his own cases. Yes. Um, And he sometimes wears these stupid-looking sunglasses that are just, like, slightly tinted. And very small. They, they they look like, you know, they should be reading glasses or something, but they're just slightly tinted.
0: Yeah, the messaging and, is very strange. This. It's like there's what happens if you cross sort of I'm a nerd glasses with I'm a cop wearing sunglasses, and you get this thing that's halfway between it doesn't really work for either.
1: I started to suspect that, you know, maybe he was blind? <laughs> it all makes sense now. Um, yeah, and then they... Uh, they they uh they they do like a seven sort of thing where he like uh you know they 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 go to the hotel room where they spent the night and he just like you know pulls open the shower but you don't see what's in the shower yet um so yeah i thought that was completely completely pointless uh pointless suspense and really just sort of against the um the, the The traditional like hellraiser thing where when, when there's a reveal, there's a fucking reveal. Yep. you know I was exp- and, and then when there, the reveal does come, it's nothing special.
0: Yeah, it's like it wasn't worth building up to it because it was just yeah. like, oh it is, it's what I thought it would probably be, okay
1: so um, if you're going yeah, if if to gonna be
0: coy about what the source of the weird dripping thing when the assumption is the weird dripping is probably a dead body dripping blood, when it turns out to be a dead body dripping blood, that's yeah it's really disappointing.
1: And then uh, he goes back to his partner Because his partner came with him And this is the part of the movie where I think that they had a script Where they had to replace certain things Where, you know how like on Star Trek scripts They just like write insert tech speak here I feel like just some part of the script Had a note here saying, okay And now uh, Thorne uh, explains to his partner That he did coke with the prostitute And then he had sex with her And then the line turns out being I did coke with her and I had sex with her
0: (laughs) But I didn't kill her
1: Yeah, but I didn't kill her um, yeah.
0: At some point, someone's looking at a finger and says, is this what I think it is? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Do you think it's a finger? I, oh, Jesus Christ, guys, come on. So the Michael forensics guy, the forensics guy is sitting and sucking yeah. on a lollipop too. I like that. Like everybody in this film is invested in like softcore porn tropes. He's like, Oh yeah, I'll be a sexy forensics guy who also does the evidence and whatever else. I don't know.
1: Wait, who was the detective that, uh, Kojak. Kojak, yes. Yes, that's uh, Telly Savalas. He 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 had the uh, the lollipops. Um, Spoiler alert: He loves <laughs> you, baby. <laughs> you know he recorded a uh, novelty single.
0: I did not know that.
1: He, and, and I think this uh, by the by the look of the music video, which is glorious. It's it's you know it's got like sort of smooth jazz while he sexily talks about something you know like Fabio's album, and um, we'll link to that on the blog. Oh, let's. <laughs> Um oh and he um out of his partner's car he grabs a pen and a pack of cigarettes and plants them in the prostitute's apartment after they wipe down the prints and they they wipe down the apartment he's like yeah that's everything i touched and you, really you 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 kept that in mind like every single part of the house that you touched you know in your head it's a, like it's it's a, it's
0: a kind of puzzle he likes to play yeah. a, a puzzle game called what did i touch you know
1: yeah it's um, it's like just about... Presumably in any they
0: wopped, wiped down the prostitute as well. I don't... <laughs> it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's like one of those things where it's like you can believe that someone thought that that would make sense, but like in practice, like, no, that's dumb. You burn the place down if you want to be sure. Yeah, it's
1: just like people who commit crimes now and have watched CSI like dump bleach on everything. And it really doesn't... It, you, you can't just dump bleach on everything. It's not how it works. Yep. Um, anyway, so, um, so they're, they're running, uh, what they, they're running prints that they got off something else in there. Uh, why? They were running prints for some reason that I, they're,
0: they're, uh, oh, they were running. What the hell was it?
2: Yeah.
1: Why were they running prints? Well, whatever. It's, uh, I, I don't think it's worth our time. Yeah. <laughs> Try to figure out why. And he's just like, and they can't find any hits on the prints, and he's just like bugging the crap out of the uh, like evidence slash computer slash well, There's a
0: print on the box, is what it was.
2: Oh,
1: that's They lifted right, the a print off the box,
0: because it, com- it comes back to this guy who worked at, or a guy who was maybe a client of, uh, the tattoo and body modification shop.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he says, limit the search to uh, hits on people with body piercings. And it immediately comes up, and... Is that? I, I'm wondering if it's really that simple. If there's just like a you know, you know, one zero value in the police database for body <laughs> is or is
0: not a subscriber to BME. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know.
1: Um, oh yeah, and then he prints out large scale pictures of the fingerprints. And grabs them with him to go like interrogate people. What is he going to do with these prints? He's <laughs> like out around <laughs> down showing them. Have you seen this finger? He's going to confront the guys. Like,
0: hey, you know what? Must something because I think you recognize these. Because everybody, like, I, I at night, that's what I do is I, I try to memorize my fingerprints in case I ever confronted by uh, Mark Wahlberg. Um, yeah, I'm just
1: trying to picture like a law and order sort of thing, you know, a guy loading oranges into the truck. It's like, yeah, those prints look kind of familiar, but they also kind of don't. I don't know.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, maybe uh, President Jefferson can help me remember if I uh, seen those fingerprints. I don't know. It's uh, a lot of squiggly lines there. <laughs> um because <laughs> you know what else looks like a fingerprint? The uh, the fine scroll work as uh, an anti-counterfeiting measure on, uh, you know, the money you could give me. Yeah, yeah. Man, every single bill should have its own fingerprint. What if, what if that? Huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he goes, to the, he goes to the tattoo shop and he confronts the dude and the dude doesn't realize he's a cop. And the guy's like, you know, hey, fucker, the engineer wants his money. And, or his and,
1: property. No, he wants his yeah. money or his property. Yeah. Just the most least specific demand ever.
0: <laughs> this was this was lifted from a, another script at random. They just had to find a place where they could use it verbatim so they didn't have to pay a fee. See,
1: see what happened was that, that Thorn actually um, annexed a bunch of the engineers' land, and that's what they mean by property.
0: Right, yes. Um, Oh, so, yeah, so he they, they, they gets in this tussle with it and he it reveals he's a cop and he turns the table and pushes the guy around and he's like, tell me about the engineer. And the guy's like, there's no way I'm going to talk to you about the engineer. But then he continues to mention the engineer and makes <laughs> slight references to how mean the engineer is and how he's going to hurt you and hunt you and so on. And it's like, I won't talk about the engineer except for, uh, except for when I will.
1: There's a, yeah, there's like a repeated line when you hunt the engineer, the engineer hunts you, which is a a really really awkward um like sort of prover- you know proverb type statement. And two, how often is the word hunt used that this keeps coming up?
0: Yeah, and and yeah, it's like it's it only gets used in the entire film for. Transpositions of that line and mm-hmm. repetitions of that. Yep. And, well, yeah, well, that's sort of yeah. It's like the it's sort of a Nietzschean thing, I suppose. You know, look too long into the abyss, abyss, huh? Hell yeah. dimension, the labyrinth, and so yeah. Which and is then very then one of good. them
1: says to the other one, just regarding the fact that they're not friends. Um, I forget if it's Thorn to the tattoo guy, the tattoo guy to Thorn doesn't really matter, but he says, "I'll send you some candy at Christmas," <laughs> in, in reference to the fact that you know he doesn't like them. I, is that. Is that a thing?
0: I don't know. I mean, I guess you put candy in stockings. Maybe some people send it to each other. It's like no I don't know. It seems more like stocking. a
1: night of a paper of the paper hat gift than maybe a, Christmas a little
0: gift. bit. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the traditional uh, things you do on the night of paper
2: hats. Yeah.
0: Oh, and that's, I don't know. He, the, the, we we see Thorns looking in the a mirror and sees on the tattoo parlor guy's back yeah. uh, the 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 twin sexy Cenobite horse twins. Cenobites. Mm-hmm. Cenobites. Cenobites. They're vegetables from hell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the tattoo is like, and then they start moving and being mm-hmm. salacious. He's like, and he turns around and he nails the guy and pushes him against the wall in a very sort of like, is this supposed to be some homoerotic uh, you know, rape threat sort of thing? Yeah. Uh, and the
1: guy's just like, are you going to... Are you going to frisk me or are you going to fuck me? And I'm just like, if this movie goes, you know, with the latter, it's going to get a lot more interesting. (laughs) Like if they just start fucking right there and then, this movie would have been just so much more interesting. Like his
0: troubles with his wife are actually about the sublimation of, you know, uh, long denied uh, homosexual tendencies that he can't deal with healthily because he's repressed because his parents were actually like very religious and not understanding. And, And so, yeah, it's all coming out in this weird, badly processed way. But, uh, but no, no, he's just uh, but with
1: the t- Yeah, and it turns out he was hallucinating the tattoo, but the tattoo the guy does have on him, it's, um, it's a hand with a nail through it, kind of like Stigmata, but it's, I think it's a pretty clear allusion to the end of Hellraiser 3 when a Pinhead sort of pierces his own hand. See, I was going to say, it's either that, or it's a Blade Runner reference. And I'm not sure which
0: theory I like better, because I like, I like the idea of the callback to the Pinhead in the, in the church doing a sort of self-crucifixion Mm-hmm. Shtick, but uh, but it doesn't look like a pin, and it doesn't look like Pinhead's hand, and there's no brain worm wrapped around the pin. So I, I'm going to go with Rutger Hauer on this. I think. Uh, oh, with
1: the uh, getting the with with the nail through the hand.
0: Yes, which which which. Let me back this up. What does uh, Pinhead say in the films a few times? Time to play. What does Rutger uh, Hauer say right at the end of Blade Runner? Time to time die. to die. When you mm-hmm. die, perhaps you go to hell. It all ties together. This is Joss yeah. Whedon presents Blade Runner Nights Inferno.
1: All this blood lost, like tears and rain. <laughs> well, well, That's a again. waste of
0: such good suffering. Well, I don't know what we're doing here, guys. Can yeah. we? Can we take five? <laughs>
1: Um, And now uh, the scene cuts to Bernie the Ice Cream Man. Yes. um, Who is dressed like... (laughs) Basically, uh, you remember when... um, just uh when swing got really popular again for about 5 minutes and then that's what jump started Ricky Martin's career cuz he had like sort of like a swing single and then he you know actually became a pop star right right so you know like the cherry pop and daddies and um, Brian Setzer orchestra when all of that was popular he's dressed like a guy like out of one of those music videos he's got a pork pie hat a cuban shirt um like zoot suit pants and creepers um, and he
0: looks a little bit like Jeff Tweedy i like if Jeff Tweedy, sure that is. Oh, he's the lead singer for Wilco.
1: I'm looking that up right now. Yeah, 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 he's got the same sort of squished face. And he's got Shane McGowan teeth. Oh, And yeah. I can't tell if that was the actor or like a makeup job.
0: Yeah, I know. I had the same thing. I was like, I'm not going to look carefully enough at this guy's teeth to try and figure it out. I'm assuming it was makeup, but maybe they just found a guy who had appropriately terrible teeth.
1: Yeah, and then, um, so he buys Coke from this guy. It's like, I'm here for my birthday present. And Bernie's just like, oh, you have a lot of birthdays. I'm like, this is the, this, this is your, like, lingo here? Yeah, I know.
0: I'm 35, fucker. Um,
1: And then he's just like, oh, what are you selling the kids? Because he's also selling ice cream. He's just like, oh, the kids just get ice cream. And you think, oh, it's like, you know, it's a Coke dealer, but he's not screwing the kids. And then there's like an implication that he's a pedophile.
0: Yeah, it's like.
1: It sort of doesn't Well, because he asked about the,
0: yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mess. Because he asked about uh, Thorne, Detective Thorne asks about uh, the, the prostitute and, and here we return to the tradition of hopelessly vague descriptions of women. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because his entire description is, uh, you, you know this girl, dark hair, hot little body. It's like, huh? I have, that's the, that really narrows it down. Okay. A brunette who looks like she was ready for sex, who works as a prostitute. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and, and the guy's like, yeah, no, I think I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know. I think she's a little There's old for There's only four you.
1: prostitutes in this town. One's white, one's Asian and one's black. Yeah. So he, he reaches like, you know, didn't even have to go that far. Um, we do just call whitey. Actually, um, <laughs> And, you know, when he actually did pick up the prostitute, there was just, like, three prostitutes hanging out there. Yep. And I think that's that's all of them. That's every prostitute in Denver, Colorado. That's a, that's um, fairly, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so... Um, oh, and the, the back of his ice cream truck is covered in pornography. And it's adult
0: pornography, too. So, again, yeah. we're getting confused. Like, I I feel like the detective was just literally being a shithead. like, oh, you sell ice cream as your uh, legit job, huh? Yeah. You must be a pedophile. And I like,
1: yeah. But then he, Bernie asks him, you know, it's like, you know, I slept with this girl. He's like, how young? So I, that that was his question, which is weird. Um, and then he beats him up in the back of the ice cream truck, as you do. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, because oh yeah, because he's he inquired to asking Bernie about the engineer. Bernie's like, I don't know, no engineer. And they just gets beat up and beat up. And they're just like, all right, I'll tell you. And then he, we go into what I can only assume was the uh, screen test for the actor who plays Bernie because that's how he, you know, he tells the story about this other guy who, uh, who, you know, encountered the engineer and it's like a really dramatically yeah. told story. He is
0: so emotionally involved in this secondhand ghost story about some guy he's never met. Yeah. Like, he's just like every fiber of his being, he is like reliving his own personal hell, except for it's someone else's that was probably just made up.
1: Yeah. It sounds like he practiced it a few times. Cause yeah. he, he's really nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah, and then that's when we find out that the engineer is terrifying. So he apparently—oh, yeah. So there was some guy uh, who ran off with, you know, a prostitute, where she was a prostitute or like one of the engineers, yeah, like yeah. stable of, of of prostitutes, and they ran off together, which you know deprives the engineer of income. And then the engineer, uh, you know, just finds her and uh, godfathers him basically. Yeah. He comes home and, instead of a horse head, you know, it's her head. Yeah,
0: but he's been sending like he was- her. He's been sending the the dude uh, body parts. All oh, yeah, he along kidnaps the way. her. He kidnaps. Is her. the implication? He says like sending him yeah. gifts, but I don't think. I don't think when skeezy dude is relaying the story, he actually says, and I don't think the camera ever shows it to be yeah. body parts. It's just, just sort yeah, of implied because of the fingers that we've already established.
1: Yeah, it's like everybody's seen seven, right? Good. Okay, we don't need to. um
0: Yeah, that, that guy's name in that story, by the way, was Terry. Which I'm assuming is with a Y, because I don't think Terry with an but I. But only is one right R. Name. Probably, yeah. T-E-R-Y. Uh, <laughs> and you said Pinhead was terrifying the guy. I think he was terrifying him. Oh, shit. Wheels <laughs> within wheels. Uh,
1: <laughs> and then we go to, um, what is it? I think we go to the bar with um, with uh, th- 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 Thorne and his partner, Tony Ninonin. In no, n- no, n- <laughs> they, they have? They spell that name out at some point. Yes, because, well, because uh, they
0: have to for the the terrible the again setting up. Yeah, the the puzzle thing early on is like, uh, uh, how do you spell your name again, Tony? Uh, and he's like, I told, we've been we've been partners for nine months or you know four years or however long it was. Like, hey, you still don't know my name. It's like just spell it. And he's like, N E N O N E N. Because they'd previously done a, a, another like crossword puzzle thing to set this up for him. It's like, hey, what's a 10-letter word for your name? It's like, yeah. my name's got seven letters. What are you talking about? You're crazy. And i got to say, Nick Turturro, uh is Tony. And I really like Nick Turturro. Like, you know, it, this is a film that I was, yeah, I'm sorry that uh, this is what he was doing when he was doing this film. Because, uh, I,
1: I feel like, I, I spent the whole movie feeling like he was doing an impression of a cop and not playing a cop. I think he may
0: have been doing a, a spot on impression of someone playing a cop in a shitty movie. He was like, yeah, yeah, you know, if I was on Law and Order I'd actually try and do this, but instead I'm gonna do me doing this.
1: He was on um, NYPD he he was a regular actor on NYPD Blue, right? On Is something. On? I, I I know he was yeah. he was
0: on one of the cop procedurals, but I can't remember
1: yeah, he's he he just comes off like um and a lot of characters in the movie. So this is again Denver, Colorado or LA, either one. It doesn't work because a bunch of characters in this movie have like thick Jersey, New York, Bronx accents from and these accents aren't really around anymore. Like the way that they're speaking, like it, it, this isn't an accent that that you hear anymore, except on old people, because it just it's it's not around. Like the thing that referred to as a Bronx accent, you know, there the nobody has that accent anymore, except for very old people, which is just really weird that they have this accent and they're in Denver slash L.A. and not you know like New Jersey or you know somewhere up in the Bronx, which is that 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 bugged me.
0: Yeah, it's it's very sort of like uh, let's get some let's get some more character here. I want to say so so this is this is uh, Tony, uh, you know, Detective Thorne and his partner Tony uh, having sort of butting his. And this is a recurring thing to the point where it's it's so dull that like I I have, I have almost nothing to say about their relationship once it's established that the thing is that Thorne is going to try and screw his partner in order to blackmail him into you know covering for him and the dead prostitute thing. Uh, so it's like, so whatever, it's exactly how you would expect it to play out if it was not very well written. Uh, but then a little kid wanders in with a videotape after Tony leaves yeah, just, just runs in, hands him the tape, runs out. Like Detective Foreign, this is for you, and boom, and it's like again a kid, but why and from whom? And uh, and the
1: kid, you know, maybe I, I feel like this might have been an allusion to the uh, to you know mysterious Asian guy at the beginning of Hillraiser uh, because the kid was also Asian, and I'm racist.
0: <laughs> that's probably it. I think it's I think it's your virulent racism.
1: Yeah, I, that's that's the only connection I can make to why this happens the way it does because. You know, just kid runs in, give him the tape, runs out. There's well, a, yeah, there's,
0: well, there's sort of the thing. Maybe the engineer, you know, knows that the detective's got a thing for protecting just, kids, and he's sending him kid oh. fingers, and he's like, "Oh, so I'll, uh, I, I, I got access to kids. I'll do." Uh,
1: he's just got his army of street urchins. Yeah, although you Very know clean what, clean street urchins. What's
0: on this tape? This is this is the tape where we end up seeing uh skeezy dude uh, whipped to death, right? And it's delivered yeah, by yeah. A kid. So maybe, maybe, maybe the kid. Uh, was buying ice cream from him, but he's like, uh, no, I can't make this work. I was going to try and make it some sort of causality thing, but no. But maybe it's one of, the ki- one of the guy's customers. I'll go as far as that. It's a kid who buys ice cream from him and ends up delivering the tape in an ironic twist if they ever set it up.
1: Oh, before, before the tape thing, um, Thorne explains to Tony how he set him up because Tony's just like, look, we gotta go uh, tell, because, you know, we gotta go tell uh, the chief that, you know, like, you were with this girl when, you know, when, when she died and, um, you know, or before she died, uh, and, you know, I don't, I don't want this, you know, on my conscience, and then, like, uh, Thorne just carefully lays out it's like, hey, you know that pen with your initials on it? It's, they found it at the crime scene, and um, they also found the last pack of cigarettes you smoked, and it's just, like, such a you know he he doesn't even try to make it um you know like tense or creepy or it's just like you know doesn't even try to be like you know oh i got one on you it's like no he just explains to him exactly what he did 3 scenes ago yeah.
0: well, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a blithe uh sort of checkmate thing calling back yeah. to the whole chess thing of the first like yeah yeah you know you played right into my game
1: so, yeah, so that happens, and the kid comes and gives him the video show. So he goes to the bar television, which has a VCR hooked in it, turns off whatever's playing on the television, nobody complains, and puts this random tape some kid hands him during his murder investigation on the bar television.
0: And then when it turns out to have torture, he keeps watching it. Yeah. Like, he doesn't say, I mean, oh, shit, I should go anywhere other than in the middle of a fucking bar to watch this. Yeah.
1: There was um. There's this one bar in uh in 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 New York. I mean, there's a number of bars. Uh, but the the what is it? Is it Double Down in on the Lower East Side? And they've got TVs in there that show just like clips of horror movies and hardcore pornography. Just like sort of alternated. But this didn't seem like that kind of bar. Um. Yeah. And so
0: obviously uh, the cenobite, the, the 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 weird blank faced sort of chatterer looking ish, but not chattering cenobite put out his big long centibite tongue
1: because he doesn't move or act like a centibite at all it acts just like you know it's just the most single most casual thing that ever came out of hell
0: i I can go with casual yeah
1: and he's whipping the hell out of bernie who's just sort of like draped over his um draped over the steering wheel of his ice cream truck and like the skin on his back is flayed open and it is just it looks terrible you know what it reminded me of um, as a, you know, you're a couple years older than me, but you probably saw this too. Just like as a, when I was a kid, um, Ninja Turtles costumes they would come with a shell, and the shell would just be a really thin piece of plastic with like a very slight slope to it, so it just sticks out just a little bit. Sure. Yeah. It looked like that. That's yeah. what it looked like. And then they just like painted guts onto it. Yeah.
0: Well, and, 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 well, and he was he was whipping him with the whip with the hooks on the end but, that we saw hanging in the body modification shop. So oh,
1: things are getting. Yeah, there was like a, there was a yeah, the, the tattoo shop was, was was bondage themed. Like they just had, you know, just you know, instruments of torture like actual ones next to, you know, just the body mod stuff and I I I, I don't think I've ever been to a place like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um you, you don't so, get enough tattoos. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's that's true. I don't have any. Uh, yet. Um Oh yeah, and then the uh, the 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 guy who who's doing the whipping cuts off one of Bernie's fingers, drops it in the conspicuously old style cash register. It's like one of those big, clunky, ornate mechanical cash registers, and just like sort of dumps it in there after burning the fingerprint off
0: with oh, his r- tongue. And it's not <laughs> Bernie's finger. And this is the thing: I feel like they couldn't find appropriately small prop fingers or something because there's fingers throughout this whole thing, and most of them look like they belong to adults. Not to a well, child. I
1: thought, I thought it's implied that some of them are. Uh, yeah, that's, I don't that, think
0: that, so. That's. I think it was just really badly done because, like, it's like when we get to the end of the film and we finally see childhood. Uh, thorn. Thorn, you know, tied to a throne in a dark void. Uh, he's missing like eight fingers. Yeah, and. Yeah, it's. I feel like they were just really inconsistent about the presentation of them because yeah, it really seemed like yeah, I, I cut a finger off a victim. And I was like, nope, I killed this guy, but I also brought a finger from home.
1: Yeah, you know, and <laughs> that's my calling card, and I got a lot of them. Yep. And There's this place that'll just print out them in bulk, cheap. Um, yeah. So then, oh, and then so and then they're static, and then it's sort of like it it it, it pans out, and we see that we're actually in the police chief's room. Um, with uh, Tony and the police chief and uh, Thorne and um, they're just like it's like you know the uh, the, the tape's blank. There's just like you know there's nothing on this tape, and there was like no, there was a video on this tape of you know horrible torture, and they're like we've watched this video twice, and I'm just like really twice? <laughs> yeah.
0: Did you fast forward at least? I
1: mean, you, you did not believe your own eyes the first time, so you rewound all of the static and then watched it again. These cops don't have anything but free time. The worst time. thing
0: is was on EP, so it was like 12 hours to do that <laughs> point. Um, it's like in
1: contact.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the tapes blank and they say, "Okay, well uh you know, the 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 police chief's like, "You know, I could suspend you, but I'm not gonna because you're such a good guy, I guess. and uh, But y'all are going to go see a
1: The evidence guy's doing everything, yeah. and I can't afford to <laughs> lose another
0: man. We can't let you go back to LA. <laughs> we need you. Who else is going to kill the prostitutes, I guess? Um, but it makes him go see a counselor. Goes, so, go see the staff counselor. Oh, uh, Gregory. Yeah, Dr. Paul, the- my degree is printed in the font Chicago, Gregory. <laughs>
1: And wow. he's got a bunch of – He's um. he also mentions the fact that he's an Episcopal priest, or he used to be an Episcopal priest or something like that, or just some – He says he is, a, yeah, because the guy's like, I guess you're Christian, not a priest because uh, uh, he d- mentions his
2: wife.
1: Uh, and so in the background, you know, when you, when we see like the the psychiatrist shot with like you know him on one end, the guy on the other, and they're on couches, there's a shitload of trophies in the background. Now I'm wondering, are these trophies for psychiatry or are these trophies for being a priest?
0: For psychiatry, but it's one of those trophies that everybody gets one. You know,
1: are those just all honorable mentions? Yeah, you
0: just you, you go to the, the the annual conference and and you get a little one of those, and he's been a few times, and he's like, yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, it's it's. I, why would the psychiatrist's office have all these trophies? At the very least, because you're dealing with depressives, and you're like, "Look at all my accomplishments." What have you done with yourself, really? It's. Uh, yeah, now, I'm wondering if they just got like if that set was decorated for some other movie. And they're just like, oh, let's just use this one.
0: Maybe it was supposed to be uh, uh, the detective's office. And so that had like his sports trophies because he's a gamer, you know, but then they forgot to redo it or something. And so they <laughs> left the trophies there. The guy playing Dr. Paul Gregory here uh, is a guy named James uh, Remar. Remar. I don't know how you say his last name, but R-E-M-A-R. Um, who's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, and he's wearing a beard that looks straight out of Django Unchained, uh, which is funny because he was a, apparently played two different characters in that film, although I don't remember hmm. either of them specifically, but Butch Pooch and uh, Ace Speck. Uh, I
1: still haven't seen that movie. I see it. It's pretty good. Really need to, yeah.
0: It also has flaying with a, a whip type thing. So, oh. um, But th- that guy's also been in a bunch of other stuff, including he was in The Warriors, hmm. and he was Wait. in wow. Robo Warriors. Wait, so, he was in
1: The Warriors? How? Yeah, he was. I th- that, that's... That was like thirty, th- yeah, something almost thirty years before this movie.
0: And he's been working ever since. Well, like twenty wow. years. I was like, what early eighties? The Warriors. Like, <sighs> I like, just thought like, it was the.
1: Oh yeah, I guess maybe, it was like the late seventies, early eighties.
0: Yeah. So yeah, twenty years before this was made, nineteen
1: seventy nine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, but he's um, also, I guess, he's on Dexter. I think he's a major he? character there. But I haven't watched much Dexter, so I, I don't remember. Seen
1: him. the first two seasons, All right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been watching Hannibal. I feel like that's doing everything Dexter tried to do, but so much better. <laughs> <laughs> I've really got to check it out sometime. So good. Um, anyway, so oh yeah, so he's talking to the uh, the the psychology uh, psychiatrist, and um, he takes out a pair of um, I don't know what, what are the like the the the, the, the balls. Yeah, the, the meditative
0: uh, the, the, balls. Uh,
2: yeah,
1: and the psychiatrist is like, "Oh, is that some sort of Chinese thing?" It's like you're you're a doctor. You should you should at least. You know you i mean I guess doctors wouldn't inherently know about it, but you know he seems like a learned man of the world, you think he'd know what those things are and would refer to them as something other than that Chinese thing but yeah um and then uh oh yeah and then and then and then uh what's his name Thorn shows off some of his magic tricks, those like, oh, by the way
0: are called uh bao ding balls bao ding uh, balls which. <laughs> which if you uh, if you forget which one if, if, if you go to the Wikipedia page it says not to be confused with Ben balls, <laughs> uh, which they should, you should not confuse Oops. them because those uh, you use for something else yeah um.
1: don't look that up while you're at work people listening to this
0: uh but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so he
1: says it's like oh your daughter you know close up magic you know oh, you you love puzzles your daughter must like them and he's just like got this like genuinely confused expression on his face like oh i mostly just use it to entertain myself and is yeah, that like the payoff with the magic tricks because it's never i don't think it's brought up again in any major way that this th- that is the moment that the magic tricks were building up to when he says oh i don't yes this moment know, of realization where he
0: like starts to grapple Am I a terrible father? Yeah, it's like he's realizing now that this is a tale about his own narcissism and he has a brief moment of like, my God. Uh, And then he plays with his ball some more yeah uh and then he bails because he's like oh i'm kind of vaguely uncomfortable clearly this should not uh be a thing i do right yeah now, he's
1: just so. like oh can we reschedule this for like tomorrow morning and the guy's like yeah sure no problem it's like you really have a really open schedule for, well
0: uh, he does because let's 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 keep in mind what happens <laughs> later uh later in the film thorn gets the shit kicked out of him by the karate cowboys which more on that <laughs> later uh and he goes back to the station, and he insists, Like Tony's, like we got to take you to the hospital. And he's like, no, take me back to the house. By which apparently means the police house, because he later clarifies. And he goes back there, and he and it's night. It's it's like nighttime now, and he pounds on Doctor Gregory's door. Doctor Gregory's just right there, opening the door. On. So I think I think he he's an Episcopalian priest. Maybe this is not so much a psychologist's you know office as it is an actual rectory. Like you know, this is where he lives because you know. Because, you know, this is uh, his parish. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think he's got a real open schedule uh, because, yeah, that's that's what he does. He just exists. Like eight
1: Episcopalians in Denver. He just, he ministers to the yep. eight of them.
0: And they're all the prostitutes.
1: <laughs> he converted all of them but just didn't do that great of a job. Well,
0: well, he, well, you know, it's like, you know, what what do you do? But at least, you know, they can they can do little services in the holding cells. It's... Also, can I can I make one little note here? Detective Thorn, Thorn, aka Detective Sharp Pointy Thing, Hellraiser. I'd say okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, so they go to the ice cream dealer, uh, Bernie. They they go find his body, just like it was. You know, even though there was nothing on the tape. So hmm,
2: maybe. Oh storm. no!
1: Before that, there's a, there's a really quick. Uh, he's doing research in his house with his two giant CRT monitors. And there's an opening there's a there's a voiceover narration where he's just like children aren't the only sacred thing in this world, and it's done totally straight, just like completely straight. And it's just really that's this is how you're gonna this is how you're gonna you know tell us that he's you know like children are his like non like the thing that breaks him out of his sociopathy is children, and and you're just gonna have him say it.
0: I'd really really like to emphasize that children represent uh, innocence and the loss thereof. Thematically in this film, to myself I thought,
1: <laughs> "Yep, oh, yeah." And then, and then they go, uh, they 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 go. Um, they find, they find Bernie's, Bernie's body. Yeah,
0: and he's chained. He's chained to the uh, steering column. But I want to. I have a complaint about chains in this film. These chains in particular, but just in general, these are like the most banal. Unotherworldly chains—a Hellraiser movie's ever seen. They're just actual chains. They're just chains yep. that were used to keep him there because that's things chains are okay at doing. They aren't even hooked into him or anything. He's just sort of wrapped him up. You know, it's like it feels like, it feels like the mystery is gone. You know, it's like, uh
1: And I mean, canonically, in the t- in terms of the movie, that makes sense because you know maybe all the Hellraiser stuff is going on in his head and only in his head. But they they did not sell that angle well enough to pull that off like that.
0: Well, here's OK, here's my angle on that that they didn't even try and sell, but the Coke that he snorted with Daphne uh, that he found, and they just assumed was Coke, and let's do it. Uh, hallucinogenics in there. There's no, there's no actual thing going on here with anything else. He didn't like things didn't start going crazy when he went in the bathroom and opened the box. Things started going crazy when he accidentally took some powerful hallucinogenics.
1: Powdered LSD. Yes.
0: Yeah, so he actually, when it fades to red, that's when the film goes ah. off the rails. Not two minutes later in the bathroom with the box and the whole thing, all the stuff that doesn't make any fucking sense. It's because it doesn't make any fucking sense because he's just he's wildly hallucinating. All the uh, all the things he's seeing. It's it's yeah, it's his brain just going going a bit nuts on a bad trip. So that's one possible explanation.
1: I, I, I feel like I was that that just reminded me of um, when the room. Uh, what, what is his name?
0: Uh, Tommy Wiseau. The,
1: the f- yeah, when Tommy Wiseau, when like the room actually took off, and he just went around telling people that it was a black comedy and a <laughs> satire. <laughs> yeah. That that's kind of what that feels like. It's like, oh yeah, that'll explain everything. Yep. Drug trip. Yeah, that'll that that's that's what did it. Let, let let's put this back in theaters. Well, or, no, you're <laughs> supposed
0: to have to sense of humor about it. It's you know, it's it's crazy. It's funny. I don't know. Hi, Donny.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> Everybody, go watch the room <laughs> after you're done if you haven't <laughs> seen it yet.
0: It's so amazing. It's such an amazing study in, in naive uh, auteur filmmaking. It's, it's
1: master class in how to not make a movie.
0: Everything. Everything that can be wrong with a film, he manages to make wrong in that film. I also had a theory about the, the Cenobites in this uh, that uh, Washed Up David Boreans keeps encountering. Um, maybe they're actually pseudo-Cenobites, and they're part of like some earthbound, freelance, freaky de cult-inspired by the pseudo centipedes from Hellraiser 3 like people there was enough evidence of that that a uh, sort of cult started up and so it's like a super duper extreme bme uh, mm-hmm. like, body modification cult and so these are actually just totally people wandering around in in crazy outfits and and latex Voldemort masks that they made and uh they're just and fucking th- with him and he's already like freaking out from the coke with the uh, hallucinogenics and so uh so he's just sort of buying into it. And they're actually pretty crappy-looking cheap latex masks. Uh, <laughs> but he's just, like, amplifying it all.
1: It's a special kind of drugs that keep you from seeing zippers on the back of costumes. Right, right. Um, um, yeah, so... Um, oh, and then there's a driving scene with him and Tony. And it's like, you know, it's supposed to be, they're supposed to be driving in the rain. And it's supposed to be, like, a tense driving scene. So the car's shaking. But the shaking is clearly post-production. So they're sitting completely still and the frame is shaking instead of actually looking like the car is shaking, which is just – I mean, was, was, is it that hard to shoot that kind of scene that, that they just decided to do it in post because it really looks obvious?
0: Yeah. Well, but if you – if you I, again, I'm going on the theory that they didn't have the money for a lot of reshoots of yeah. this film. So like if you realize you need it, you're doing it in post. You're just going to like, yeah, yeah let's – uh Okay.
1: And then he goes to the cowboy bar.
0: Which is, this is, okay, this is like the best, like, minute of this entire film. Maybe two yep. minutes. Because, yeah, they, they go to this place called The Crossing. He, like, got a voicemail or something. And it's like, oh, go there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, they go to this place. And it's so Twin Peaks.
1: Yes. It's, it's so it's Twin Peaks. It's completely. Twin Peaks. And there's also, you know, the, uh, the implausible cowboy in Mulholland Drive. Yeah. And, and also The Big Lebowski. Yeah. But st- sticking to Lynch, yeah, this was, this like, I I wish whoever, you know, whoever wrote that or and the people who directed it, I, I wish they got to make the movie that this scene was in. Yeah, because they, they took it yeah, out of and put it into this movie.
0: It's this bar that's in a barn, and they, they, they set it up slow. It's like sort of slow establishing shot on it, and they go inside. And inside is nothing but people dressed in full cowboy garb, you know, close to identical, you know, everybody's wearing a tan hat and, and they're all sitting around a bunch of green gaming tables and playing poker with nice chips. it's like, it's a, it's a cowboy poker tournament invitational that this guy wandered into. And he sits down at a table, says, uh, I want to buy in but i i don't see a cashier and it gets no response which you shouldn't if you're wandering into the middle of a tournament and just saying hey i want to play and i didn't bring my cowboy clothes because fuck you guy <laughs> and then and then yeah mr parmaggi wanders up
1: the italian cowboy
0: yes the, the the sheriff of literally from texas hold'em tournament night <laughs> uh and yeah he's dressed in fancy rodeo cowboy sheriff Garb, including six guns and and he's spangled and he's got the stirrups and 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 he's it's michael seamus wiles is the guy playing him. this is a character actor who i love every time i see anything because he's always awesome at being the sort of unsettling badass um
1: and we uh th- they they reference his name before like mr parmaji like somebody mentions him and then he uh does somebody mention him before this scene?
0: I think maybe someone did because, like, he then, knows the name. Like Thorne knows yeah. the name, but I don't even remember where or care. You know That's And I,
1: I guess it's supposed to be like a fake out where you're expecting like an Italian mobster because the guy's name is, you know, almost Parmesan. It is almost the word Parmesan. Yeah, it it's seems, like, it seems like it's
0: going for sort of a an Italian, and yeah, yeah, and then you get. But it cowboy. turns
1: out he's a cowboy. Yeah.
0: I also want to say par par Parmaggi, mm-hmm. P A R M A G I par. Magi. He's a totally okay mage. He's like a he's a mid level occultist. So the fact that he works for the engineer totally the the name is a hint there. Maybe you find that a, at all?
1: I, I could see that. I was actually the second you, said, you the second you broke it up like that. I'm just like is he is he just really mediocre at golf? He's just a, a, a golf wizard, but he's really yes. good at being me mediocre at it. Yes. He, gets, he,
0: he's a consistent player. It, 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 you, you want him in a foursome, you know. He's he's not going <laughs> to break you. He's not going to get you the win, but he's not going to lose the game for you. Either, yeah. So, you know.
1: Uh and then the, yeah, the the uh so the the Cowboys um just tell him to Oh yeah, the the you know, uh the the uh, Mr. Parmaji explains to him that's like uh it's like oh yeah, you know, this is the game. This is the engineer's game. You're playing it now. You should go home.
0: Yeah, um, he says, "Are you here to play?" Because you know, maybe it's maybe it's time to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's like, oh well, yeah, blah blah blah. Games, play the game. You're playing its game.
1: You think this is a goddamn game? Oh, it's a game. You know. A- so, um, I just want to bring up: there is a um, a subculture on YouTube of men, um, just burly. <laughs> tell me men, more. <laughs> and and I think I I can't I can't tell if this is like a a um. I can't tell if this is like an incredibly closeted thing or a really deadpan gay thing. But it's just these men who dress up like cowboys and smoke big cigars and record videos of each other doing this and just talking shit and just, like, pretending to be big cowboys. And, like, big cigars are really popular. And it just sort of reminded me of that crossed with, like, you know, one of those speakeasy scenes where, you know, somebody knocks on the door of the speakeasy and just, like, like all of a sudden it turns into a bookstore. Like, you know, there was just, like, a big gay cowboy orgy going on in there until Thorn walks and everybody's like, oh, everybody sit down, make it look like you're playing poker. And, and then he walks back out and then that starts up again that's <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe I, I, I kind of like the idea that it's a non-stop cowboy Texas hold'em tournament though I, <laughs> I, I like that even better than the crazy wackadoo cover up orgy thing because I feel like that's, just, that's a different bar you come to Crossing if you're serious about being a cowboy and playing poker that's all
1: or maybe um, th- th- there's, you know, some implications that this whole movie takes place, you know, in, in Thorne's own personal hell. And maybe he just, like, accidentally wandered into somebody else's hell. It's just Ooh. like, well, yeah. And th- this is just like hell for some random cowboy in there who who was played too much poker and was shot while playing poker in his personal hell. He so he used to play poker forever. And Thorne just, like, wandered in there randomly.
0: Or somebody's personal heaven.
1: Wow! You know. oh, yeah.
0: If we if we stick uh, to some extent with the uh, the theory, I favor that that the concept of hell and heaven is intentionally in the Hellraiser mythos very mm-hmm. complicated and sort of muddled up, and it's not a clean black and white thing so much as you have the personal afterlife, the personal persistence of sort of character and motivation that your life led to. So it's it's not so much judgmental as you just sort of get what you were. Angling for, so someone who loved poker, this could be just like paradise.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: Um, oh, and then he goes outside and uh, oh,
1: this, yeah, please go, go on, please. Just.
0: Although, I want to say actually, there's one little thing I don't remember who was. Oh, there's a cowboy Cenobite briefly, and I think he chases him out in the woods, is what happened. So, oh, yeah, that, that's that, right. So, the Cowboy Cenobite goes walking out, and the cowboy Cenobite is clearly walking on a cart because he's walking. <laughs> fairly slowly in terms of the gait that you can tell from the up and down movement of his body, but he's moving very fast. And this whole walking on a cart thing to change the speed at which you move thing is one of those little horror gimmicks that horror directors just fucking love to use because they saw them in other horror movies. And, and, and I think most people don't see these things and know what the fuck's going on. You know, it's like at a glance, I think someone who was not like into horror tropes would just see, well, that guy walked out of there pretty fast. And maybe looked a little bit weird but don't know why. And as a horror fan, I'm like, oh, someone did a thing with a cart. It's like the opposite of Nightmare on Elm Street uh, where there's a, one of the dream sequences where the heroine's facing off against Freddy. Uh, she's trying to run away. And they're trying to do the running but not getting away in a dream thing. So they actually had her running on a treadmill. So she was making very slow forward progress despite obviously you know, running fast. So this is the opposite of that. And it's like it's one of those things where it's like <laughs> – We're all just sort of like anybody who knows what's going on here. We're all just sort of sitting around wanking about the fact that it happened, not that it actually helped the movie be better. You know, it's just, uh, I don't know. But anyway, so he chases the cowboy centibite out out of the bar. Into the evil forest. And then he falls down. And here we have that brief return to the sideways camera that I talked about earlier with the daughter (sighs) in the bed. Uh, He falls down, and then we cut to a shot of him laying on the ground, but this camera is sideways, so it's like he's upright. So we get that visual echo. And then he sort of slowly hauls himself up against a tree while the camera also writes itself, which is actually a little visually confusing. Uh, but then there's some gurgling noises in the fog. like, And he's like, Tony, because Tony makes weird gurgling noises all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get silhouettes of two twin karate cowboys. Backlit yes. with long hair, one dressed all in black and one dressed all in white. Although that's only clearer after they come out of silhouette, <laughs> the two of them walk out of the fog like we're watching a Guns N' Roses video, <laughs> and then they kick the shit balls out of the dude,
1: karate style.
0: Karate style, yeah. No, it's, it's total. Like, yeah, it's, it's a couple long black-haired Asian cowboys who kick the shit out of this guy like they're in a very confusing kung fu movie, and uh,
1: Sukiyaki Western Django.
0: Yes, there we go. That's Hellraiser Five, Sukiyaki no, Western Django.
1: No, that's a. Have you have you seen that? Film? I no. It's, I thought you were just coming up with no, the title. No, it's it's a it's a, um, it's a western that takes place in um, you know Nevada, Japan, um, and everybody's you know all the actors are Japanese, and uh, what do you call it? And they all speak English. All of the all of the dialogue is in English, but all the actors are Japanese, so the English is not great. And it's basically exactly what you just described. Wow. It's an amazing film, and everybody should watch it. And Quentin Tarantino has a bit part in it.
0: (laughs) This somehow does not shock me.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, so he gets the shit kicked out of him by these... And there's a lot of twin imagery in this one. You know, there's the twin Cenobites, and then there's, there's a little bit coming up later, and then there's the twin but differently colored cowboys, and they go nowhere with that. And... You know, you you think they they just get him like jumped by thugs or at least beaten up by regular cowboys, but why, I think they why the think, kung fu.
0: I think they just knew that this was the best scene in the movie, this this set piece with the the bar, and so they just did everything they to could go out on it. a high note. Because yeah, I mean this, I really would like to see the the full length movie built around this like three or four minutes. You know, if they could just get rid of the dialogue, it would have been an actual perfect. <laughs> sure film. You know, yeah. Yep. But, yeah, so then he runs back and, and he goes back to the
1: psychiatrist. The
0: psychiatrist and, he's, uh, and
1: he's clearly, like, he's severely injured. Um, wait um, Yeah, he, he's – oh, no, wait, no. uh Tony picks him up. Yeah. Tony, who he just recently really severely betrayed and whose career he threatened. Tony picks him up, and he wakes up in Tony's car, and Tony's like, I've been trying to keep you conscious. Um and clearly not doing it. well cuz it was like turn off
0: the siren. It's like I've been trying to keep you conscious. Yeah, it's like I'm just going to blare the siren metal. Like,
1: you know, yeah, he he clearly doesn't remember you or getting in the car or where you are or how far you've traveled. This whole keeping him conscious thing, you did not <laughs> you didn't pull it off. Well, I didn't say it was succeeding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just wasn't trying very hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so um, so he demands to be taken to his psychiatrist, which I just, I, it's really missing the line of, you know, Dr. Gregory saying, I'm not that kind of doctor. Because <laughs> he's in like really bad shape. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of exposition, just like, just straight laid out on the table exposition. Yeah. Because I guess they couldn't figure out any other way to fit it into this movie. Yeah, because
0: he's like, yeah, what do you know about the engineers? Like, oh, well, it's an old story uh uh, you know, from like 20 years ago or something, and you know, there was a guy and there was a file, and I've been paying attention ever since. But I, I never knew. And he puts and, and we he, there's a photo of Lamar Marchand's box, and Gregory's like, so that's the thing. It's like uh, I don't know. It might just be bullshit. I don't know, but it's uh, I just don't know. And then and then Thorne pulls the box out of his jacket and mm-hmm. puts it on the photo. of The box, box on box. And- yeah, that
1: was that was that was a little. Flourish, like little <laughs> cinematograph, little flourish that came out of nowhere. But I, I kind of like that. I have to say, it was it was stupid enough to be to be kind of cute.
0: Yep. Um, and then the doctor knows all this. Uh, he's sort of genre savvy. He talks about the lament configuration and how some mm-hmm. say it's a gateway or door. And there's the cenobites so They'll come for you and they'll tear you apart. Uh, and then never yeah, trust like,
1: anybody with a medical degree in a Hellraiser movie. Seriously, Ever. you know they're, they're
0: they're just trouble. At best, they're going to get killed by Julia.
1: Um, and then the um oh there 's this uh, thorn just explains to him like all the hallucinations he 's just like are you it's like he 's just like i 'm being haunted by these demons? Am I crazy and then the, uh the doctor 's reply is i 'm more of a psychiatrist than I am a priest and i 'm just like well yeah that 's why he 's asking you this question about being <laughs> crazy and not being possessed <laughs> we 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 understand your your credentials we see we 've seen the trophies yeah uh,
0: It it was a questionable line. But so he goes home and uh, he ends up, and and his wife's like, Where the fuck? Oh my gosh, you're terribly injured, you know. Um, And I feel like, honestly, I feel like someone could manage to both show concern for your injuries and try and patch you up and also continue to point out that you're terrible. Like, uh, it it, it felt like like a little bit too much of an easy out for him.
1: It's like, well, you just, you know, you you get the shit beaten out of you. It's like, I know you're a cop, but also you're, you are you know, I, we don't like each other and you're clearly constantly cheating on me. It's like, what are the chances that these, it's like the chances that he, these injuries were just like somehow deserved is non-zero. Yep. He was, he, there's no way you can assume that he was the innocent victim in, in any of this. But yeah, like she goes from like pissed to nothing, like immediately. It's like, oh, I better pet you up. And then he strokes her face, but a demon hand comes out.
0: Yep, I'm telling and you. And it's that.
1: his. It's, um, it,
0: it's that self-loathing that uh, sort of grappling with his narcissism, plus all the hallucinogenics in the coke.
1: In my uh, in my notes, I'm just like whenever there's like a reference to you know one of the Hellraiser movies, I just have like shorthand, you know H two, H three. And then for some reason, in my notes, I was citing Roman numerals. So there's constant like references to HIV all over my notes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is one of them. <laughs> I remember it kind of reminds me of a friend of mine. um, Tweeted at one point that she like she was watching the thing for the first time very recently. She's just like, I know this movie is from like 1982, but how is it not about AIDS? Yep. And yeah. So then uh, he, he so, falls asleep oh. on
0: the bed, and and we get a conspicuous – we watch him slowly, his eyes close. And once they finally close, there's a beat, and then the phone rings. And you know what? That's how you communicate, oh, this is the moment that maybe something – maybe he fell asleep and this is a dream. And in a film that you've already sort of done this a couple of times, I was actively just sort of like, fuck you. This is going to turn out to be some sort of dream sequence thing, isn't it? You know,
1: and then – yeah they really like in, in, inceptionized the crap out of this movie without any Like if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna be like, oh, like the you know Inception, Arabian Nights thing, where it's like, oh, it's a story and a story and a story. You're supposed to, in some way, have consistent imagery to indicate where you are. And they do not do that. He's just like constantly waking up from dreams. He spends half of this movie waking up from a dream in some random place he was earlier in the movie. And at no point are you ever, you know, ever. It's made clear that. you know which one of these is the dream dream and which you know is he ever eventually in reality and they clearly try to try to make that like as the point it's like well you know that this is you know, it's a it's hellraiser inferno you know this this whole movie is his personal hell there's no real reality to wake up to but uh, there's just so much mundane crap in it that that one of these realities has to be real yeah. and and <laughs> yeah um, so yeah so that yeah he wakes up and, and his wife picks up the phone she's like yes hello oh how are you what what and it, it's you know it's just a phone call that escalates really quickly
0: and yet doesn't seem to have escalate like she's she's seeming upset but as far as we can tell what happened on the phone call was you know in theory Thorne's mom saying hey there's a fellow here who was visiting us who wants to see my boy yeah and so he, yeah, of course, it, yeah, Thorne freaks out. And,
1: yeah, his wife is just like incredibly shocked to find out that an engineer has visited her mother-in-law. <laughs> she doesn't even like trains. What?
0: Um, and he gives her a revolver, and he is he, like, "Do you remember how to use it? Do you remember how to use this?" And it's a revolver. You just—I mean, it's. <laughs> There's there's no safety on it. You just looked at it to make sure it was loaded. There's not a whole lot she could forget if it's in any way safe to give her a gun. You know, it's
1: which it's, it's not because then she immediately hugs their daughter <laughs> while holding the gun.
0: <laughs> but then he he goes to the hospital. Uh, we establish that he's a deadbeat son because uh, the nurse is like, I didn't even know he had. They they had they a had son. A,
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a, they're at a convalescent home. Is that just another word for nursing home, or is that, or is it a hospital? I think it's a hospital. I think I okay. think it was like
0: a long stay in a hospital was the idea. But uh and she's Forget like, you have to up. check they're in staying in a
1: really fucking nice nursing home. I have to say, yeah, or hospital or whatever. Well,
0: yeah, yeah. It's 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 all a little bit weird. But so the the nurse is all like, you have to check in, and then he walks off, and she's like, sir, please slow down. It's like if you are going to break the rules, at least do it at a reasonable speed, sir. Not come back here, not, hey, you really, really have to check in, not, I'm calling security, but please slow down.
1: She didn't have to call security. There's a shot, and you see the security guards sitting, reading a book, and he just sort of looks up, and then, you know, for this scene, that's the end of the security guard.
0: They just, um, not much happens here. They're bored. Yeah. They're willing to run with this and see where it goes. And then there's the twins. Again, he's walking down, and he sees yeah. in the distance coming down the hallway a figure of like a, just a nurse walking down the side of the hallway but then his vision's all blurry and then there's two and then there's one and then there's two and I'm not clear why there was the one versus the two but as you say it's like this twin imagery just comes back and they walk past it's like oh my what a handsome boy or something like that I
1: uh, wonder if the director was just like hey what other movies were twins in uh shining were there any good scenes in them with that yeah okay let's <laughs> yeah. use it for this because yeah it was it was just like you know twins in, in like you know ornate dresses at the end of a hallway except these were you know old ladies or late middle-aged ladies instead of little girls yep. and he's being trailed by a guy in a motorized wheelchair and um who's got a straitjacket on and then the guy like you know passes him on the left because he's i guess uh, thorns walking slower than a motorized wheelchair and his um his his cheeks are just like held down with chains to the, yeah, uh, they're, to the they're, wheelchair
0: they're, they're totally hell-razor wide and uh and he, and he laughs with the voice of a child yeah and it's like okay well that's Okay, I guess it's a creepy thing that's happening. Although still doesn't and make he, a hell of a lot of sense.
1: No, and he, and like the weird thing is that like it's supposed to be like you know that he laughs and it's, it's supposed to be creepy, but like the only thing I got off this guy is like goofy uncle vibe. <laughs> <laughs> he it's actually like, has oh, a weird uncle trachea Frank has problem. Magic tricks, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: but it turns out Detective Thorne's mom is Miss Lanningham from West Wing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like her. Yeah, she's great.
1: And they did I now, not utilize her in any way. That,
0: this made me angrier at him than anything else in the film because it's like, "Oh, why don't you visit your mom? It's fucking Miss Lanningham. She's awesome. Yeah. Come on, go visit her. Why don't you visit him, Joe?"
1: I think that might be the most accomplished actor in this movie.
0: Yeah, she was. Because she was.
1: Oh no. Well, oh, I wanna, no. Let's not talk about The West Wing anymore. For anybody who might not have seen it. Yeah. Um, but she was already
0: on The West Wing by the time this movie came out. I think because I think West Wing started in '99.
1: Okay, yeah, that's...
0: So, but... Yeah, because uh, I think
1: season three had the nine eleven episode. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, he walks in there and they're just like, you know, hey, why don't you call? We never see you. And they're being really passive-aggressive to him. And it's supposed to come off as creepy because, you know, just like, you know, he's there in a rush and they were just visited by a creepy man. And, you know, it's supposed to come off as creepy that they're so nonchalant about it. But really, it just comes off as extremely passive-aggressive. Yeah. And, and I he, thought they would follow up on that. Like, you know, it's like, oh, it turns out that, you know, like she's a, you know, she was like a cold, distant mother, like a Lucille Bluth type that she's, you know, just nothing but guilt and misery. Nope. No, it's, nothing. it's, it's, it's him. yeah, nothing.
0: Yeah. And he wanders through into another room for some, I don't remember what happened exactly, but he goes into another room from their hospital room and it's the green childhood bedroom again and he tries to go back, but the door's locked and he hears screaming and terrible you know gurgling noises and whatnot and then and stuff yeah and then a ton of blood comes seeping out under the drawer hellraiser three call three right,
1: yes yes uh,
0: so you know the that's inexplicably
1: that large amount of blood indicating a murder took place on the door yep uh wow.
0: and then it turns out it was all just a dream and he's still in bed and the same phone call wakes him up again and it's it's apparently the exact same phone call from Ma about the engineer. Mm-hmm. And we cut back to the hospital. And this time he just busts in gun drawn and the nurse is yelling different things at him time this time. So I guess that's something.
1: Like, Sir, so you can't come in here. And then she turns to the security guards like he's got a gun in the security card. And again, it just cuts. Yeah. But then I want I um,
0: want I want like 10 or 12 takes of this whole interaction. That's <laughs> that's another movie that should have been the movie that this was like a half hour feature about the cowboy bar, a half hour feature of just them looping this ad nauseum to really explore the tedium of an actual groundhog day loop where, you know, they have to say something different every time just so you don't go mad. <laughs> Although we do have the, I didn't know the thorns had a sun line that she says yeah. eventually. And that totally freaks him out. Cause like, Oh my God, the same thing happened before, even though, you know, you should already be pretty fucking freaked out. Like That should not get to you. You should be like, yeah, lady, I know. I know. We did this before. It was a dream, but it's real. Oh, my God.
1: There's something wrong with time. I, I'm not even going to start to explain it to you. Um, Yeah, but he's told to, like, you know, he's like, freeze, fucker. And he turns around, the security guards, you know, got his gun trained on him. And he was just like, you know, I'm Denver PD. And this is the one time that we learn where <laughs> this movie takes place. There's <laughs> no establishing shots. It's just one time he references the fact that he's from Denver PD. Did you look up where it um, was
0: shot by any chance? I forgot to do I that
1: not um we should figure
0: that out at some point
1: yeah and um
0: but then the parents aren't there they're just missing well, no, no, but then first, so, like,
1: the nurse apologized she's like well if you just identified yourself in the first place this wouldn't have happened i'm just like how much more effort would it have been to whip out the gun and st- the his badge instead of the gun well
0: he wasn't they're he like, wasn't planning to shoot them he's just he was just yeah steamrolling
1: he, he already he's already getting something out you yeah think why not pull both out processor? and be like hey
0: yeah walk in the door say you know because you know, in his PD. dream they
1: wouldn't let him in until they showed him he showed him the badge because they didn't believe him that they had a son so he knew that you had to use badge on uh receptionist to get in there exactly
0: <laughs> it's like you you don't even remember that you just played this game man come on uh, uh yeah but but it turns out like the the parents are gone but then they lean on the blood the on the bed and it seeps mm-hmm. with blood and it's it's which an, a, another sort of callback to that Harry yeah. Hellraiser one, Larry Feather Dream sequence with the bloody sheets, or the bloody sheets in Hellraiser Two in Frank's personal hell.
2: Uh,
1: and um, the, the, what what happens is like the bed looks empty, but then they press on it, and you know it develops this deep red stain. And this this had to have been like the things I wonder how many sheets they went through to pull that off. Because it's it's it looks like it's on a regular bed, and you have to really draw those things tightly, but slightly above there. So both in I I, I don't envy the prop people that have. I to want set to say that up.
0: the sheet looked a little loose actually in the scene where they did this. So I mm-hmm. think I think you may be giving them credit for a slightly more mechanically difficult thing than they actually did. The the, the sheet looked like it was a little bit draped rather than uh, like high and tight. Properly made bed.
1: Fair enough. But then in the terms of the movie, it doesn't make sense either. Because first of all, whoever's, you know, whoever committed this murder really had to try you know, to, to get that done. And the other thing is that they said, you know, your parents just disappeared. We don't know where they are. We didn't call you or anything because I guess they have no contact information for anybody related to these people. <laughs> um, but they also didn't check under the sheets. Like, you'd think, be like, well, maybe they left something, you know, under the sheets, like, you know, a note or a book or something. They didn't bother checking under the sheets for the, you know, enormous amount of just, like, ichor and entrails and blood. Totally missed that. Yep. Um, yeah. And then he finds, oh, and there's, there's there's a birthday present. Uh, with you know, wrapped up in like you know, boys wrapping paper. So it's got sports balls on it with a nice little bow. And he opens it up, and there's fingers, <sighs> two of them, because there's two dead people this time. Yeah.
0: And at some point after this, and yet they're they're in theory child's fingers. I don't fucking ah, the fingers.
1: Yep. So so uh,
0: Tony, he ends up having yeah, some sort of interaction with Tony, and Tony says, "You're out of control, Joe," because yes. he had reached into the big fishbowl full of rogue cop film dialogue, and that's what he pulled out.
1: They, they, they both did because, because the, the reply to that was, then come with me. <laughs> Either they're drawing random lines, like, you know, um, you know they're, they're using some sort of like experimental film scripting method, like, you know, David Lynch with his index cards for Mulholland Drive, or somebody skipped a line there. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, fuck it, we're we really gotta get this thing done. Uh just just, just go with it. Plus Thorne also then, uh, ends up telling
0: Tony to go to hell, so we've got the obligatory yeah. go to hell line in the film. And
1: then and then he says that, you know, nobody at the police station will ever believe his story. But the thing is, it's like how shitty of a cop must he have been over the his ten years on the force that no, that he's just like instinctively nobody's gonna believe me. Even though there's all of this, you know, evidence to to do it and yeah, like I, I can't imagine. Well, most of them blew-
0: still don't even know he's LAPD. So you know, think yeah. how much of a shock that's going to be when the shit hits the fan. Yeah.
1: I, can't, I can't imagine he blew all of his goodwill with the police chief just be- because they had to sit through static twice. <laughs> it's Like from that point on, it's like that's it. This is the last straw. I don't believe anything you have to say, but I'm keeping you on the force.
0: <laughs> that was that was that was two strikes, Thorn. Each <laughs> viewing was a strike. Uh... <laughs>
1: And then, um, and so, then, and then Tony says there, and then, and then, oh yeah, he's freaking out about the engineer and Tony says, there is no engineer. There's just you. And they blow the fucking ending. Yeah. That was, I mean, like it, it's, it's not like they were, weren't telegraphing that from still, a mile I mean, yeah. away, but still just to blow it on like a throwaway line like that. And then somebody beats the shit out of him again. And I don't know who, cause my notes are.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't I I got Oh no, they
1: get into sketchier. a fight. Him and, him and oh, yeah. Tony get into yeah, a fight. They get Tony a fight. beats the shit out of him. Yep. <laughs> which was pretty well, funny.
0: Which he starts, because he just clocks Tony and then Tony yeah. comes back at him because he's already kinda of bad shape, so he shouldn't be picking that fight. And
1: it's like you haven't slept in forty eight hours, you're coming off like, you know, two nights of doing coke. Uh maybe this isn't the best time to pick a fight with a cop who's got a full night of sleep.
0: <laughs> yep. And then and then somehow we get the the card oh there was a card in the box with the fingers from the hospital i think that had the address for a place and and that's where that's where detective thorn goes without tony and he finds the telescope in the room and he opens the creepy windows in the room and looks through the telescope and there's tony tied to a chair in uh the school the nearby scenobite. and casual Cenobites there uh like cutting his throat i don't even remember how he kills tony that's how much i didn't care at this point yeah he kills tony and uh and I think, he, yeah, I think he holds up another finger and, you know, burns it Stuff with his it tongue again. it into Tony's again. mouth, I stuff's think. In, yeah, stuffs it in Tony's mouth. And uh, and, then, and then the detective goes home. Uh, there was something that caused him to realize he should go home, but I don't remember what it was either. Maybe he got a phone. Oh, there was a red telephone no. there. The, the red phone rings and he gets a call from someone telling him he should go home.
1: Yeah, whose voice was that supposed to be? I think, I I think no, that was I,
0: Dr. Gregory.
1: Okay. Well, that's um, weird that but guy's wasn't just a clear. psychiatrist yeah what? I don't get what's
0: going on mm-hmm. so he goes home and he finds his wife and daughter chained to a rotating pillar so yay we got a rotating pillar back too and they're also not this, really
1: chained to it they're standing on platforms and there's chains like loosely well, arranged around quote them quote unquote
0: chained Again, they, did such
1: a, I mean, they, they did such a bad job on these effects the, the
0: chains in this movie are just not trying these were seriously uh, B-list chains mm-hmm. and there's chains hanging from the ceiling too but they don't have any gore on them and they don't have any hooks on them and the pillars got like a little bit of perfunctory-like skin gore tacked to it, but not much. Uh, we've got this snowy, sort of feathery-looking thing, although mm-hmm. it apparently is supposed to be snow in this case. Uh,
1: because Denver, Colorado? This is the only reason I can think of that they used the whole Colorado thing, was because it snows there, and they needed snow, and that's why they couldn't do it in LA.
0: Well, yeah, but it's snow—it's snowing indoors, and it's not snowy outside anyway. You know what? The, the only place where we get snow that comes back to is late, a bit later when it goes back to his bedroom again and ends up wandering through the house. Uh it's a very snowy uh farm sort of scene. So maybe it's the snow yeah. creeping in from his childhood somehow. But yeah, like the whole yeah. thing is like, you know, the, the Dr. Gregory's there. And it's like, "What?" And <laughs> and uh there there uh the the wife and the daughter are there and he's like, "You know, it takes hours to die of exposure blah 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 blah." And then they crackle and shatter it's like "Ah."
1: no no that's not before he just sort of drives it home with it's like you know hours that you weren't there for them and they establish earlier in the movie that this guy's never home and his daughter's like "When are you coming home daddy and like this is the big payoff for that it's like but they also say it it's once again this, this movie is all telling and very little showing, but yeah. yeah. So um, he touches her hand; and her hand falls off and cracks, and that actually looks pretty good. I, I couldn't actually tell if that was CGI or a practical effect. But then both his uh, his daughter's hand, I mean, falls off. Yeah, I think um, I,
0: I think it was a practical effect. I think they they that's why it they, they made a nice mold of a hand and dropped it in uh, yeah. liquid nitrogen or whatever to yeah. get it. nice But then and the, all shattery. of their
1: bodies crack all over, and they're supposed to look like they fall apart. But I guess they couldn't get their like you know CGI guys to make like pieces falling apart real good because it sort of looks like they melt. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they just they sort of like they suddenly collapse into what's pretty obviously a secret Not in attack. yeah, in, not,
1: in, not in any way you know that looks like they collapse into chunks of things. So there, that yep, there go his wife and kid.
0: Yep, and the therapist and he realizes you're the engineer. So you know it's like he's a therapist. He's the world's first combination engineer and therapist. His business card says engineer and therapist. There? It's <laughs>
1: It wasn't really the pronunciation that yeah, bothered me. Yeah, that, that
0: ended up causing him problems. He had to, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> and then there's another there's another finger somewhere. I think like on the mantle there's another finger. And at this point we have you know only one, even though two people died. No consistency to this finger thing.
0: Yeah, but and, and, and yeah, and this is when it becomes clear that he's being sent mm-hmm. his own. Time traveling fingers somehow. Yeah,
1: yeah, oh yeah, that's right. He goes back to the police station. Is what is it like? Tony is Tony still alive, or was it somebody else? It was just like, it doesn't make any sense. These fingers are yours. Yeah, and I don't remember.
0: Yeah, maybe he got a phone call. I don't remember where that even happened, but uh, but yeah, and then we get the reveal, and he's like, you're the engineer, and we get a cheesy, glowy CGI pin extruding reveal where Dr. Gregory Mm -hmm. turns into you know, Mr. Pinhead.
1: Uh, and the funny thing is, it's like, it's like oh, so you're the engineer, and Gregory's like, well, it's as good as name as any, which would be a cool line if the engineer wasn't explicitly the name of a different character in yes, the Hellraiser canon. Yes, that's the thing. Like, it's okay, not so, your name. It's like, you must be Phil. Well, Phil's as good as name as any. <laughs> not mine, um, but it's a good name. It's a
0: good name. I like Phil. He's a nice guy. We play poker um, at the cowboy bar. Nice. Uh yeah, no. The engineer. I think we probably talked about this in the first one, but uh, the engineer was the name given in the original novella, "The Hellbound Heart," uh, for whoever was in charge, essentially, of this whole thing. Uh, and yeah, so and then the Leviathan in the second film sort of seemed to take maybe the organizing principal role over. Um, oh, and did we establish? Wait, was the engineer the the freaky, uh, the freaky uh, scorpion monster? Yeah, in the, in the, in the film, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. which is really kind of underwhelming for whoever's in charge. But yeah, so like the engineer, you've Pinhead, you're just being a prick. You're just, hey, yeah, no, hey, my name's Chatterer. How you doing? Chatter- oh, no, it's, it's like an old, ep- yeah. It's
1: like that episode of uh, Seinfeld where, where George tries to get everybody to call him T-Bone, but some other guy ends up being called T-Bone. <laughs> it's like, you know, Pinhead stole the engineer's nickname because the engineer was too incompetent to defend himself against it. Yep. Um, well, this now
0: I know is the engineer on the phone in the telescope room, because later here he's like, you, you don't understand. You didn't even understand what I meant when I said, go home, because he had said, go home over the phone. Uh, so
1: once again, like, you know, another, another piece of you, and it's like, in hell, please help me, you know, just sort of completely useless advice. Yep. Um, and oh, so it and turns then, into uh, Pinhead
0: and gives a little bit of mm-hmm. like cryptic hermit advice and then just sort of wanders off.
1: No, but he also says, "I am not the killer." Before he wanders off, and it's like, "Oh, okay, I, I'm convinced."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I find this very believable.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you weren't the killer, you definitely would say so. Um, yeah. And then we get the then, uh, yeah
0: the the voyage back to the childhood home and the ideal. Oh, yeah, and he's running
1: around with this, he grabs this shotgun. Um, maybe he had it in the car. I don't remember. Yeah, he had it in the car or something, and it's, it's. It's a shotgun it's it's not a combat shotgun. it's a regular shotgun, and you'd think his service like gun would be considerably more reliable, easier to aim, has more bullets, you know possibly just about the same stopping power, and you don't have to you know he's got two shots out of that shotgun at the most well no it um, could
0: be it, it, it could have several shots in there i mean it's a it's a pump action sawn off uh, it, it, it could it, probably chamber like four or five shots yeah, but still which I think is it, what he ends up having. Yeah.
1: And he, yeah, and then he runs into you know his childhood past home, and at this point, I'm like, oh, you know what? I think the his childhood trauma that turned him into an asshole that they're clearly going around now. I think it's that a crazy guy ran into their home with a gun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm I'm really disappointed. I kind of hoped that young Joseph would have been played by Cortland Mead. I think that would have been a great bit of like yeah. pointless continuity.
1: They couldn't uh, get him; he's too expensive. <laughs> film. <laughs>
0: so, whoa, Richie yep. Rich, yeah. And why don't we get the Morgan Freeman? Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, so so he he sees his childhood home. He sees his mom with the brownies and Which, the blah um, blah and now blah. This, this
1: this sort of like thing where you know like he's actively in his childhood home and he's like watching his childhood. It's you you see this done well in um I think it was Ingmar Bergman's Wild Strawberries. It's either Smiles of a Summer Night or Wild Strawberries or one of those other ones. But then Woody Allen um, just has a you know very, very um, clear homage to it in deconstructing Harry and Crimes and Misdemeanors, and it's a pretty cool thing if you can pull it off. And they do not pull it off.
0: it's <laughs> no, it's, it's wildly underwhelming. It's it's like okay, well, I get this is supposed to be a thing, but I'm getting nothing from it. Uh, and then and then everything gets earthquake and a bowl of fruit th- rots really rapidly. And the and, home
1: sweet home sign falls down. And that's when I'm thinking, okay, we're going to find out what the traumatic event in his childhood is. Yeah,
0: and mom, mom's hand ages, and uh, young Joe just literally fades out like it's uh, the climax of Back to the Future. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and then it's old mom again, and the house is a shithole. And she turns around, and it's Miss Lanningham, and she's got no eyes, and she's bleeding.
1: From we never her eyes. see you anymore, Joe. Yeah. She why don't she the visit? Line. Yeah.
0: And then she starts doing like the I'm swinging my arms, and if you get in my way, it's not my fault <laughs> thing with a butcher knife. And then he d- manages not to convincingly get out of the way, so she gets a good cut in. And then he shotguns her. And then and, and, and then there's dad as well. and He shotguns him. And, and uh, yeah,
1: it's 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 if. If they actually had that scene in there of him being traumatized, this would have been symbolic because he's you know destroying his past, he's getting over his demons. But no, he just inexplicably shoots his completely nice, harmless parents who went evil for no reason.
0: Yeah, just I mean, him shooting them at that point is explicable, but the yeah, motivation no, it for it like even happening makes no sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's so, and and then and then that you know this is this is it for the flashback. This is it. We we see him playing with his toys. His mom calls him down. His dad's asleep in front of the TV watching the news. He has a brownie, and that's it. This yep, is this that's is the big all childhood the we Yeah,
0: he was clearly so innocent because she tells him he's a good boy, and that's why she made him brownies. Uh, and
1: I, I don't even you know like, you know I said that you know the movie makes you do a lot of your own work to figure out you know what's going on with motivation is I cannot for the life of me figure out why why any of that happened.
0: It's, did, did you? do you have I, anything? I got no satisfaction out of it. Like all, I, I, I'm willing to go out on a limb here and just make up the idea that maybe the idea is that. Okay, so so, uh, a way this could go is that by confronting like his childhood trauma, maybe there'd be a redemptive thing here would be how this could go if it was a slightly different movie, right? Like that's sort of part of what it felt like might be setting up. It's like, yeah, we're gonna go back and we're finally gonna get some answers for what happened to this guy, why he's so fucked up now, what occurred, what the dark secrets was, but then we see nothing. And the, the pretentious defense I could draw is that the film is being very clever by refusing to actually show us what happened, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. It means we're left to think that he is still struggling to get past the denial of his childhood trauma. And so instead of confronting it, he ends up you know suppressing it once again and pretending that everything was great. And that's why he doesn't ultimately get redeemed and instead lashes out at his projections of uh, – things that have gone badly these days but uh, i don't really buy that i just in the absence of anything from the film i guess you know i i can halfway care about that as an alternate theory
1: yeah why not just duct tape things together like that it's
0: like i I can't even get excited about my shitty explanation of your film (laughs) come on uh (laughs) And then the, the the dead hooker shows up and oh, yeah, jumps jumps him out of the shower and says whatever you want however many times you want it and he shot her her. Neck
1: is, her throat is slit which, oh, yeah, which at it was no in, point did we when they found her body before she was hanging like yeah on, she yeah. was hanging off the uh, the shower kind of like a shower caddy yeah but a person um and I don't I mean her throat might have been slit I don't know but they make, made with, a big with deal with the blood it could
0: have been but yeah I feel like it's like oh well okay now we can do the cool effect where we see uh him being attacked sort of sexually by someone who's cut throats all cut. Oh my God. Um,
1: because he's in a cut throat line of, she's in a cut throat line of work.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and then Tony, and Tony shows up and he's and got
1: knives in his back.
0: The the knives that were stuck in his back by casual Cenobite, apparently, although we couldn't really see that on screen so well during the scene where it actually happened. But there are these really weird knives that look like they're, crucifix yeah like, like, like if, if it's a crucifix made out of round dowels except for it was a secret knife if you pulled the bottom of the crucifix off uh or or cross yeah there's no jesus on it the um, movie
1: in my uh, in, in my head where it's actually bruce mccullough starring in it at that point is when tony turns around and says you stabbed me in the back <laughs> because I mean you, you, you have to you have to call attention to it because otherwise it, it becomes what it was in this movie which is just you know one of the laziest visual like sort of references I have ever seen I guess it's a yep. visual pun and it is just you know I mean wow they so, it's like we, we gotta we gotta we, we need to use a metaphor like some you know some sort of way to indicate that Tony's been stabbed in the back <laughs> wait a second <laughs> yeah. I
0: got it. <laughs> So he starts pulling out his his uh pointy cross knives from his own back, which pointedly we do not see on screen. It's just sort of implied that's happening, even though it's like, how would you? That'd be a really hard reach, and so they solve the problem by not actually filming it. Uh, and he pulls them out and he chucks them at Thorn. And the first couple, move
1: or duck or anything, he just sort of stands there as these knives. Fly yeah, he sort out of
0: flinches you. a little bit. And the first two don't get a good shot. And the third one gets him right in the thigh. And then yeah. he shotguns Tony. And you know what? The guy is throwing knives at you, and you're clearly willing to shoot people you otherwise have some affection for. Just shoot him ahead of time. Shoot him before he throws the first knife. Come on. Or you
1: think at least by the second one? Yeah. No, he lets all three go. And- yeah.
0: And then he's like, okay, well now.
1: Now I'm pissed. You can't throw a knife at me three times. That's that's the last straw. And then and Bernie the shows up movie. with
0: the whip and I am. what am I, you're whipping boy? And then bam, oh, hits God. him with the whip, which Just uh like now you realize you can use the stupid line, but not with Tony. Mm-hmm. No, come on.
1: I'm really glad that they decided to use that, you know, beloved mechanic from site scrolling uh you know, beat-em-up games from the nineties where in the last level you have to fight all the bosses again. Yeah,
0: or or from Metal Gear Solid 3, where at one point uh, late in the game, you have to confront a dude in like going up a river, and you actually have to deal with the ghosts of everybody you've killed in the game so far. So, depending on how you play, that can actually be a much less complicated scene. Like, if you actually were non lethal up to that point, you just confront that guy rather than him and an army of ghosts, uh, which is what I thought of. And that was actually better than this was. So,. Uh, But yeah, it does sort of have that like, okay, yeah, now fight all the mini bosses again uh, sort of feeling. So he shotguns all these people. I think that was like five shots.
2: Uh, Let's
1: see. Hang on. One, he, hang on. He shoots his mother, his father, Tony. So this, I think that's three. And Hooker and Bernie. He shot the hooker? Yeah, yeah, he shot her right off too. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah he so shotgunned is-
0: everybody. Like by the time he got around to shooting Tony and shooting Bernie, I was like, okay, I, I don't know. Are you gonna maybe shoot him with a shotgun? Is that what's gonna happen? I don't.
1: Know. He got the he got the shotgun off a of John Woo set. That's why he never needed to reload it. <laughs> I'm telling it's you, I, I, I think
0: I think you could get five. I think it's plausible that it'd be a pump action sawed off shotgun. You get five shells in. So in that, that sounds- sense, this may be mm-hmm. the most realistic thing that happens in the film is that he mm-hmm. gets enough shots and then runs out of ammo when he should. That's true. We'd have to, to, r- uh, we'd have to check with my buddy, who's an expert on guns, because uh, <laughs> this is now an episode of Pawn Stars. Um,
1: There's um, uh, what is the movie? Is a Sean Claude Van Damme movie where he plays the raging Cajun, um, who's like a bounty hunter, <laughs> oh, longshoreman, or something, and like Lance Henriksen is the villain. Sudden Death, where they 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 hunt homeless people, and he. Has to and Anyway, the, the climax of the movie takes place in, like, the old, abandoned, exploding Mardi Gras float factory. <laughs> because it's, it's nothing but Mardi Gras floats, but every time one of them gets shot, it explodes in, like, a shower of fire. Um, anyway, it's a great movie, and everybody should watch it. That's excellent. It's a wonderful John Woo movie. Um, but after he's oh, yeah, done... So, yeah. uh, Oh yeah, so he he shoots Tony, and then he oh yeah, and then he gets rid of Bernie, and then he's walking by, and there's like all these open doors inside of the hallways, and in one of them there's the you know the uh, the by twins, and they're making out, and they're just hanging out in there. And another one there's like the half chatterer, also just sort of hanging out in there, yep. not doing anything creepy, just wandering around in his hands. I think was kind of cute, actually.
0: Yeah, I, I can handle that guy. Yeah, so like you yeah. like, it's like having the and time. then
1: and then there's um there's 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 a door and he tries to open it and you know it's it stuck so he kicks it open but it's like well, this, okay. I,
0: I want to make a oh, point here yeah. what happened he, he, he has shot these five actual people
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you know obviously ghosts of them or hell images of them or whatever but anyway actual people then he comes across the twins and chatterer does not try and shoot them holding a shotgun he's ready to use and then actual straight up no question about it monsters from another dimension just walks right by. And then... The funny
1: thing is the monsters at no point hurt him they just kind of menaced him and like you know the twins got it on with him a little and chatter just sort of menaced him but got out of the way when he needed to run away from chatter. true
0: and maybe it was a he was like okay guys let's, let's don't don't don't, uh, don't ride my balls I'll, I'll I won't ride yours yeah. uh, but then he goes to that door and it's locked and he tries to blow it open with a shotgun and that is when he realizes he doesn't have the ammo not when he tries to shoot <laughs> yes! the monsters but when he tries to blow the handle off a door when you would think he would be totally fine at kicking doors in because it seems like you know he's. A loose cannon. That's what he does.
1: Was it a wow? Was it a double-barreled shotgun?
0: No, no, single barrel.
1: Single barrel. Okay, because I was going to say it would have been really weird to have only like an odd number of bullets in a <laughs> double-barrel shotgun.
0: <laughs> no, I think most double barrels are just uh breech loading. You, you break it open, you put in a shell in each, and then those you have to yeah reload after every uh, emptying also, of the chambers. Also,
1: the way that he was going to blow open the door with a shotgun, you can't do that. There's you can do that with a shotgun. like What police do, they, you, have a sh- you have a shotgun, and what's in the actual – what do you call a shotgun bullet? A uh, shell? Yeah. Inside the shell is metal shaving. So what happens is it hits really hard when it's close to the barrel, then it just becomes metal shaving, and it all falls down. That's how you – and so there's no ricochet or anything. That's how you blow a door open with a shotgun. You can't use regular shells <laughs> because there's nothing saying that they're going to penetrate it, and it's just all going to fly back directly at you.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, it, it, yeah, whether or not that was actually uh although at this point the guy was a messed cop, up, so he you would know. know
1: that. Well, mm-hmm.
0: he's a cop he would know a lot of things probably that he didn't I don't know. We it, it, this is this is a, a point at which I don't think we have much of an argument we can make <laughs> that, you know, this is where it went off the rails. Yeah, but, uh, there's
1: um And then so he kicks the door open, but oh, it's the and, lightest kick. It is just it's it's just he just like think, it, it, it looks like one of those like you know like fake punches in like a boxing match where like you know the his foot doesn't hit the door. The door just sort of swings open and his leg follows.
0: I think it's 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 like it's like if you're destined to find the box, you know, it, it was meant to open. You know, you could sneeze on it; it would probably open. That's probably what was going on there. You know, because we're really moving into the this is where the movie goes from being a shitty movie to being a shitty movie with a terrible, terrible ending. Yeah, he, he, he goes through this door and then we get a shot from inside a completely dark room with him standing in the lit doorway. And then that <laughs> fades over as if like a composite shot from like glamour shots uh, to a close up of him standing in a completely black room and the doorway has gone, I guess.
1: They uh, said I could be anything I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> And and there's yeah, his, this um, the, the way the way they shoot actually you know they, it zooms out really far so he's in like it's actually a pretty nice looking shot where he's in like this uh, back he's backlit in a doorway in a completely black room and everything's black and the camera's actually a couple of feet below where he's standing and then his head sort of surfaces like it's closer to the camera than he is so it, he's kind of like in the same shot as himself for a second and then the other thing fades out and then it zooms out and he's in a completely black room and yes. the door is gone. Um, are are, are
0: you going to are you going to posit here that there's an intentional sort of reference to like the end of 2001 like it's a nod to Kubrick where he's in a theory maybe seeing himself
2: ah, because if you do
0: I'm going to say no because I don't think so (laughs) (laughs) well there was no look of recognition it's not like it's not like he looked to the impossible place where he himself was that was not him you know it was just it's a shitty fade is is my yeah uh and then and there's then, this terribly, uh, incredibly cheesy spin-in effect, like the spin-in Yeah, it's of, like the
1: newspaper, uh, like in one of those like old old uh, like movies from the 30s or 40s, like you know, Newsline, it's like, you know, Chrysler Tower, finished, like it just spins in.
0: Yep, except for instead of a newspaper, it's Young Him, like tied, tied to a chair. Tied chain, I, were there chains? Yeah, there sh- probably should have been chains, but I, I stopped even caring at this point <laughs> enough to know. Uh, and yeah, I he spins in, and he's sitting in a chair, and he's looking down. You can't see his face, but his, his hands, he's only got two fingers, like a thumb and a finger on his right hand, and the rest are just horrible stumps. Uh, and then the faceless, casual Cenobite dude wanders in, and he tears his own Cenobite face off, and it turns out
2: it's, it's Madonna. D-
0: yeah, yes. It was a big cameo for her. It's, <laughs> it's Detective Thorne, and this is where he's doing like his best Ray Liotta impression was my feeling because <laughs> yes. he's sort of like looking down he, his head's tilted down he's got blood on his face and he's literally looking up and that's where i feel like he's like he just shot the guy in the trunk and goodfellas and he's like uh. um and then yeah and this whole thing and then like yeah pinhead comes out and the whole thing is staged so undynamically we're just standing in a dark room and there's pinhead and on one side is uh, detective Thorne himself as Ray Liotta standing there looking moody and not saying anything and on the other hand, uh, like literally to his other hand, because he's holding his hands out towards both of these, uh, is yeah, young Detective Thorne as I guess he wasn't a detective when he was young. Uh,
1: Inspector Thorne?
0: <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and... And Pinhead does some speechifying, and it's like the least interesting speechifying yeah, it's, it's, he's it's, done, it's, like, you know, and it's the, so you know, ham-handed.
1: It's like, you know, the, the, the child is the spirit, and the, you know, Raleota Thorn is the flesh. And, and your flesh, flesh is flesh killing gets, your spirit,
0: he says, like, seven fucking times, because we couldn't follow him.
1: And we know that part, but, like, the, the, the big reveal is supposed to be why that's happening, and no, it's just happening inexplicably.
0: Yeah, it's like it's just sort of like the idea is that you were bad, and this is the hell you've made. He says you are your own king, and this is the hell you've created for yourself. And it's like okay, but still, yeah. And then
1: they go back to the chess metaphor from the beginning because that's something that was developed throughout the course of the film <laughs> to be referred to at the end like that. You think they might have just forgotten? It's just like oh shit, we we're supposed to like this movie was supposed to be full of chess imagery. Fuck. Yep. Can we rewrite the ending? No, uh, whatever, yeah,
0: or just say the thing about being the king. He'll be you know, yeah, and then and then, yeah, and then murder Joe cuts off the kid's penultimate finger, I guess, mm-hmm. but off camera, and Joe's like, "No,
1: and, yeah, like the Darth Vader-y. Uh, yeah, and 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 yeah. then it cuts to black, and you think the movie's over,
0: well, and, and Pinhead says, "Oh, yes, Joseph, oh yes, and it's like, oh, really. Um and yeah, and then oh, but there's also finally we get some proper like Hellraiser face hooking action. Like, oh, yeah, so some right. chains actually came out of the dark and grabbed him and pulled his arms out to the side. So that was nice. And then and then his face gets hooked. He gets like three hooks in each side of his face. And Pinhead does so some I more lecturing and stuff. it's like, yeah. Welcome to hell. And Joe starts doing sort of the smiling, laughing, smug, oh, I'm embracing finally the nature of my doom thing that we saw with Frank uh um. a couple times in the original one. Uh and then and then his face gets uh, torn off, which we see from the rear. So we just see a sort of it
1: just gets like out yeah, like half. Just one half goes each way, so it just reveals the the, the skull. Yeah, from behind. Yeah, and then the skull goes down, and it's Thorn's face again, except it's Rayliota Thorn, symbolizing that um, the dark side has come over him, and he is now fully Sith. I guess.
0: I guess. Yeah. Although, was that supposed? To, do you think that was supposed to be a shot of? actual Joe become Murder Joe, or... I I thought it was just another gratuitous shot of Murder Joe. Uh, Like, and now let's take another shot at this guy standing over here. And But, uh... (sighs) I don't know. I I really don't know what the intention was Flip a coin. (laughs) But so he wakes up. He wakes up, and oh, God, it was all even more just of a dream. On the bathroom floor again, what a relief. Daphne's alive. Tony's alive. Daphne's just sort of like, hey, didn't I already earn my money? And he's like, oh, you prostitute who's not dead uh, sass it's like but, it's, um, it's a wonderful life yeah. you know Clarence this
1: is, the, this is the longest of the Hellraiser movies so far I know because I watched them in two <laughs> chunks uh, like I and they they were all about 90 minutes and this one is 100 minutes um And the credits are no longer or shorter than any of the other ones. So after it fades to black, you know, in the scene where he's in chains, I'm just like, oh, the movie's over. And then a new scene starts up. I'm like, what? And I pause (laughs) it to see how long's left. I'm like, there's six minutes left to this movie. I'm going to say three of those are credits. What the fuck are they going to do for three minutes right now? Yep. And then...
0: They're going to do the false happy coda. Do the false happy coda. It's a horror film. That's how we have to fucking end this. So it's... He's all... It's like... It's a Wonderful Life. It's like, you know, a Christmas carol. He's very much like, you know, sort of seeming like, oh, a certain amount of joy in living and realizing that, you know, things are going to be okay, even though he doesn't seem particularly redeemed because the film didn't do a good job of that either. Uh, But he's
1: sitting at his desk and there's like a picture of his wife and kid and he sort of like lovingly strokes it. And at this point, they open up the final unanswered, like the, the, the last dangling thread of this movie is that he's got some sort of document on it that clearly says Costa Rica. Did you see that? No, he's a cop. He's a Denver PD cop. What is he doing with documents that say Costa Rica on the top? Why would they confuse us like that? I don't know. It's, Man, it's... It reminds me of that. There's another scene where, um, where he's where they're doing the fingerprint stuff and the um the you know the the 19 year old you know grizzled detective uh fingerprint guy he's reading a book and the book's out of focus and then when Thorne walks in the book comes into focus and it says like on the cover 20000 leagues under the sea and it, they definitely got like a copy of it where it says that really obviously on the front big enough that you could see it you know when they when they shot it but they don't follow up with that
0: nope well you know what it is it's captain nemo uh and Captain Nemo ends up battling the squid, squid, Elder God's tentacles, reference to horrors from another dimension, and Captain Nemo, Little Nemo, Little Nemo the Dreamer, it's all just a dream. Oh. It's a double whammy. They were just fucking nailing it to the wall. That was the moment of brilliance. That book was the secret to everything.
1: That, that's, that's, that's the clef in this Romana clef. Yes. Um, there was a, uh, shit, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, Narwhal <laughs> bite. I wish there was a narwhal Cenobite, because I actually thought of that, too. I'm just like, Captain Nemo, they fought a narwhal? See narwhal? One
0: can hope. Maybe all the things that are just little character details about other characters in this film that never get followed through are actually just part of an attempt to communicate what a tedious narcissist Detective Thorne is. Not not that there was nothing in the film potentially to follow up on these things, but he's just so self-absorbed that we're never going to find out more about them. All these people living their own lives, you know, but he's such a solipsist Mm -hmm. that, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so Daphne calls him. He's sitting at his desk. He's having his like, things are okay. Tony's alive. Daphne's alive. Yeah, and they're all desk. like
1: shooting the shit really pleasantly. Yep. Like in a, in a manner so pleasant, he has never been this pleasant in the movie before.
0: Yeah, he even echoes the whole, uh, yeah, we uh, we won by seven, but it should have been 20. But uh, Tony couldn't make it thing. There was the same thing from the phone call where he was like, fuck you to a guy in the gym when he was playing chess. But he's not all fuck you now. He's like, oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's like he's almost... Realizing he has another chance to use that line. Um,
1: and then Tony says, Yeah, I had to go fishing. <laughs> <laughs> fishing for better
0: scripts. Uh, and then Daphne calls again, just like before. You know, she's calling and terrified in the hotel room, and, and Joe freaks out and immediately pulls his gun out and just sticks in his mouth and blows his head off, just like Dr. Pinhead engineer Gregory said some SAP did years ago when he was telling him the story about the the uh, the engineer and the the just like the to gypsy woman said yes so he blows his head off and then he wakes up on the bathroom floor again and apparently it was all you know just a dream just a dream that's gonna keep looping and he's realizing it's a Groundhog's Day thing and, and we get because the first no wasn't enough we close on another no it's <laughs> even bigger yeah uh, it was a double no film and boom roll credits and that's
1: and like the, the funny thing is like the whole point of like the the Groundhog Day plot where you, they keep reliving the same day over and over again is that is is the consistency of it is that you wake up like the exact same thing happens every time and if you pay attention to it and learn from it you can you know do whatever the hell it is you put off. But every time he wakes up he wakes up in a different location that he passed out in. There's no consistency to it. Yep. So and I I'm, and I'm wondering if that's part of his torture or if that's because whoever was was, was shooting this did not understand how that particular cinematic trope works. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh,
0: it's hard to say, you know. Uh yeah, I uh, this film, this film, let me tell you. I didn't like this film very much. No. I uh, I didn't like it very much the first time I watched it a year ago and I uh, I certainly didn't like watching it again this time. It was uh, it was bad. It was a bad movie.
1: Yeah, and it's funny, like, until I actually sat down and took copious notes on it, I didn't realize exactly how bad it was. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, it really... And 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 again, I mean, like we were saying at the beginning, uh, there there is a totally okay little corrupt cop noir flick in here. If you got rid of the Hellraiser stuff entirely, possibly got rid of all of the supernatural framing, or had a much more interesting thing to do with it, then yeah, I feel like uh, it's, it's not a bad little flick, you know, but... Uh, Boy, is it a terrible Hellraiser movie. It's, yeah. it's so bad at being a Hellraiser movie.
1: And it only gets worse from here.
0: I had almost nothing entertaining from the credits either. The, the, the special effects coordinator is David Wayne, but it's Wayne with an E, so presumably no relation to the guy who was uh, an alum of the state and has since done a bunch of uh, comedy stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, probably not.
0: But uh, let's pretend it was him. Let's say that's, uh he, he'd always actually really want to do special effects for horror films, and he just got stuck in skit comedy somehow. And,
1: and then he went and made this horrible film. Yeah.
0: With but, the really bad special effects. But the thing I actually want to point out about the credits, the, the one interesting, generally, thing, and I'll send you a link to this just so I don't have to spell it. Um, but uh, the last thing in the credits at all is the phrase, Soli Deo Gloria. Uh, which is a Latin phrase that means something along the lines, you know, all the glory to God or glory to the one God, you know, how you translate Mm. it depends. Now, this is something that uh, if you Google it, you'll see, or if you, you know, look at the Wikipedia, this is something that uh, is sort of something that would be tacked onto uh, musical manuscripts by old school uh, composers like like Bach and Handel put this. Basically, you know, this this is the Tim Tebow... Uh, you know, praise God for my ability to play football sort of thing. Um, and it's an was incredibly, it sarcastic? I don't <laughs> think so. I think this was an incredibly pretentious little detail at the end of this film. You make a a movie. I mean, you could even argue that it's not blasphemous or anything. You could, I would say in a disappointing way, this film is rather dully uh, Judeo-Christian, uh, conformant in its notion that uh, Pinhead ends up essentially playing a moral agent, you know, giving a lecture about a morality play about how being bad means you go to hell, uh, which is like the dullest thing you could possibly do with Pinhead. Uh, but I, 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 feel like, I feel like this was an actual, this was a, a classy touch by this director saying, hey, I made this, it's good, and thank God for, you know, all that he makes available. And, and it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, I just... This is not if you're going to if you're going to do that this is not the creative work you do that on the end of it's no. uh,
1: It's like making a cheese sandwich that you that you kind of burned and you you still you still want it but you don't you you don't take a photo of it and post it to Facebook. What? This is the best metaphor I could come up with at this time. This movie has destroyed me. Yeah. I blame the movie. I'm yeah, it's so the guy who wrote
0: and directed this, or at least wrote portions of it, this I, I wanted to find out, like I said, I wanted to find out about the original spec script that uh, Yeah, was I looked not into it memory. too. There's
1: not a lot of uh, I couldn't really find anything, yeah, did and, you?
0: No, I didn't find it. I didn't I didn't try super hard, but you know, I, I looked some and I didn't find anything and everybody seems to know that it was a spec script. But no one seems to know anything about that script. Uh, Scott Derrickson is the guy who wrote and directed it. I don't know if that means the original spec script was something he wrote or if he took on the project when they said, hey, we got to do a Hellraiser movie. Let's uh, find something in the Dimension spec uh, catalog. Hey, Scott, I like your treatment for how you're going to adapt this so you can go ahead and do it. Uh, He is very proud of the film. Uh, yeah. you, you sent me that uh, link to the he, Clive Barker He's Barker's proud of site. the film
1: to the extent that he's willing to bash Clive Barker's opinion of the film because he's that proud of it.
0: Yes. He's saying, you know, the, the, the Clive's just angry because he went and breathed fresh air into Clive's stale old franchise and Clive just didn't understand what was going on and, and how it needs to not be about Pinhead, but also if I had it to go back and do again, I'd make it more about Pinhead. Uh, and uh, it's just like, just tremendously. So it's like, that's why I'm feeling like Soli Deo Gloria it was not... Not sarcasm. I think it was, you know, him signing the old John Hancock, thank you, God, to this uh, piece of work he did. I was reading an interview, uh, some little interview someone did with him where I think it was just like an email interview or something. But Mm -hmm. he mentioned at the time, and this was like 2002, uh, that he was working on uh, some horror film called Requiem for a Dream. And huh. uh, Scott Derrickson does not have any credits on Requiem for the Dream, so I don't know what all exactly happened there. But the timeline I think is right for it in theory to have been maybe developing that project. But uh, that this film sort of is, in a way, a requiem for uh, a series of it was all just a dreams. So maybe I don't know.
1: Wow, I don't know. Yeah, that I, I see we're both yeah. Rent- Speechless. Well, really?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wanted to say one other thing, although the, the exposure, the the snow thing, the recurring snow thing, and them mm-hmm. dying of exposure, and it turns out that it was snowy in that childhood memory for the brief actual flashback we got. Um, maybe you know, and, and childhood is innocence, and innocence is what was destroyed, and blah 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 blah. Maybe the exposure is working on multiple levels. He young, innocent, worthwhile Joe died of exposure to the corruption of the world. And so the, the, the his wife and daughter dying from hours of exposure is actually just writ very small, the way he, his innocence, his worth as a person, and the childlike value he had died from years of exposure to corruption and sin and iniquity and, and becoming the man he became. So maybe that's, the snow is actually, this powerful visual metaphor to his uh, loss of childhood innocence and the years long process of being, you know, sort of destroyed by his own indulgences or whatever.
1: Well, let's get Scott Derrickson on the line. And see what he has to yeah, say. Let's, it's, it's, yeah. It's probably he, not doing much.
0: He, 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 he actually, he said also in that interview that I was mentioning, another thing was that he was particularly proud of the shotgun montage, the shooting, the shooting or ghosts. He felt that was something that really worked very well about the film. So I think we would probably just end up disagreeing a lot. Uh, uh, if for some reason he was foolish enough. (laughs) <laughs> and tolerant enough to have a discussion with us after we spent two hours tearing oh, here's, apart the um, film.
1: Here's, here's Scott Derrickson replying to so Clive Barker you know said straight up this movie is terrible like you know in those words or Hellraiser, Infer- Hellraiser Inferno is in brackets and then it says it's terrible so I assume I can't say exactly what he said um, and then he follows up with it pains me to say things like that because you know nobody sets out in the morning to make a bad movie which I've heard from like a number of directors about bad movies I think Kevin Smith refers to it a couple of times where like every time you every time you read an interview with somebody who's been involved in like a shitty movie they're just like yeah nobody tried to make a shitty movie this is just what happened but um, anyway so Scott Derrickson Reply to that and he says, um, the Hellraiser franchise, in my opinion, traveled too far in one direction and had quite simply run out of steam. The only interesting path to take is creating another sequel seemed to be the total reinvention. Of course, Clive Barker isn't going to appreciate that. I never expected that he would appreciate seeing the treasured iconography of his brainchild tossed out the window and replaced with a whole new set of rules. Um, Then he goes on to say, this is in fact a very good film. (laughs) Well, it's mean, philosophically you know, ambitious, unlike Hellraiser 2, 3, or 4, and it represents a moral framework outside that of the previous Hellraiser films, and apparently outside of Clive Barker's personal taste. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And there are some people on the internet who, like I said at the start, uh, seem to actually agree more with Scott than with uh, Clive, <laughs> or, or with us. And, you know, to, to each your own. That's uh, whatever. But yeah... You know what I would like? Uh, I, I would like to never think about this movie again. It's not going to uh, happen. Yeah, I know. We're gonna. Well, I feel like we're with the the next films. We're gonna be coming back to this more than to any of the previous four in terms of uh, aesthetic and uh, production values and sensibility of script writing and weird wandering away from the uh, established mythos of the of the franchise. So. <laughs> you can hear the excitement in my voice. Uh, oh man. <laughs> but but we're more than halfway done now. We're yeah, we five are. Five films down, only four to go. So, uh
1: I think that last one I watched a little bit more of that the uh, of the last one Hellraiser Revelations and I th- I think that one's going to count for like four cuz my <laughs> god, that looks terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 going to be a ride. So, uh I don't know. Should there's, we call it?
1: Yeah, there's only like, more crap ahead, folks. Yep.
0: Keep, keep looking uh, for As always, uh, check out uh, – we've got the Tumblr. We have such films for you, .tumblr. Or we have such films to show you, .tumblr.com. And we've got the the Facebook group with the same name, which you can go and, and like. Uh, you. you can go. Uh, many of you have. Yes, which thank you. Yes, it's, uh, yes. it's been a nice little showing there. And you could follow the Tumblr if you're into that sort of thing. You can go to iTunes and uh, write up a little review about how wonderful or terrible we are. Maybe maybe which one again, of you can write one that says it's terrible, another one you can write to say that actually, no, it's just outside your comfort zone. Uh, please
1: have a flame war on our iTunes please, page. Please. Yeah, lo- it. I mean, please.
0: Let, let's have an inferno, if you will. Uh, on the iTunes if you
1: have page. a, if you either really agree with anything we have to say or really disagree with anything I have to say, find a person of the opposite opinion in a public forum on the internet and get into a fight with them. It's also okay if tablets. you're really bored
0: to just play both those parts. You know, we're anything that feels good. Let's let's get some let's get some community jackassery going on here, uh, and uh, and yeah, you can uh, you can rate it on uh, iTunes as well, which will raise the visibility of the podcast in theory. And what? Uh, Is yeah, that what it does? <laughs> yeah. I think if a bunch of people rate it's more likely to actually, you know, get shown in also, you know, see also type things. Uh, and yeah, that's most of our things. You can bug us on Twitter. I'm at Josh Well, I'm just at Josh Millard. And,
1: and I'm at Griff. That's G R I P H.
0: And uh, and yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's that's Hellraiser Five. It uh, it's like yep. uh, it's like being a bad cop forever. It really does feel like an eternity.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Soli Deo Gloria.
0: (laughs) Mic drop.